This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday, the 16th of June. It's nice to be company at Steve Allen's early breakfast. It was very interesting listening to Nick Abbott earlier on and people coming on and, you know, totally immersed in their shallow little existences, telling you they went to university. Some bloke who came on and claimed he was a, a very rich accountant and drove a Bentley. I thought, well, the only rich accountants who drive Bentleys are somewhat dodgy, I thought. I thought he was living in a fantasy world. And the girl who lived in Kilburn, and it was a council estate, and it was horrible, and then she went to university, and now she employs people. I thought, oh, what what sort of business employs somebody where you can stay up at three o'clock in the blooming morning? I thought of about three of them, actually. The royal family of United put on their pantomime costumes. They call it Knights of the Garter. And two bars of chocolate a day, good for cutting heart deaths. Which is good news, isn't it, if you like eating chocolate? If you don't, of course, well then, you know, you're just going to get fat with it. Uh, the Towie thug Dan Osborne, you know, the one who threatened to knife his girlfriend, apparently is going to marry he, his current girlfriend, who's called Jacqueline Josser. Uh, obviously in a desperate attempt to try and make some money out of a magazine. I personally would be boycotting any magazine that bought any wedding pictures of that ghastly piece of work. Sarah Harding had a really tough life. She's filmed four episodes of Coronation Street, four shows, and that's it. So she's going on to a programme on the television, and that's where, unfortunately, you're going to see just how dumb she really is. Penny Lancaster, in the papers today, men in aprons aren't masculine. Yes, well, judging by what Rod Stewart wears on odd occasions, dare I'd start looking at your own old man. I mean, blimey, if you think aprons aren't butch, some of the little pantomime outfits he's put himself on. Oh, blimey. And the judge who branded the runaway mum, Becky Minnock. Utterly irresponsible. Uh, manipulation of the media, he called it. You've only got to look at pictures of her. She's quite not there, is she? Quite not there. Pals fearing for the health of reclusive George Michael, who apparently is now in Zurich, and will teach you this morning how to speak cat. Because apparently you can speak cat. Cats are bone idle, as we've already established, I think, on the programme. Cats are not like dogs. If you sort of take a stick and you throw it for a cat, the cat will just sit there looking at it. It's not going to run. It's not going to go and pick it up. It's not going to do anything. You're going to roll a ball, the cat will... And go back to sitting in the corner again. You know, they choose you. You don't really choose them. All you have to do is feed them. Uh, food goes in one end and uh, the litter tray is used for the other end. And then they just sit there and then they sleep. And they can't really be bothered to do anything. They don't, you know, you can't really train cats to do things. I know some people do, but most people don't. And uh, and it's just a bit sad, really. But they teach you in the newspapers today how to speak cat. But uh, talking of things to teach you, my worst nightmare was revealed this morning. When I worked, we had a very nice day yesterday. It was all very lovely. We did lots of bits and pieces, and uh, all very nice indeed. And then I woke up this morning, and I'm, I sit down at the settee, and I look over, and my computer is uh, is at the side. And what's on it? On the little box, a red light. The computer has gone off. And I thought, oh no! It, it made a funny noise yesterday. It started sort of whistling. And making strange noises. And I thought, oh, God, there's something the matter with the computer. And, and I don't know anything about computers. So if ever it goes wrong, I follow the advice that all my computer geeky friends tell me, which is unplug it, leave it five minutes, plug it all back in again, and nine out of ten times it works. So I, thought, I looked at it, I thought, oh, I wonder why it's gone off. Because we had a power surge the other evening and it blew all the lights and we had to sort of reset all that kind of thing. And... Um, and so I looked at the uh, computer, I thought, oh, and I thought, come on, I was willing it to turn itself back on again. And I thought, in the end, no. So I unplugged the mains cord at the back of it, 
sat there for two minutes thinking, oh, this, I mean, this could be dreadful. There might have been a letter from my boss. As it turned out, there was something very important on there that I did need to download, but I couldn't do it because the blasted thing had gone into hibernation. And so I left it, then I plugged it back in, and then not even the box lit up. Now, over the years of working with my computer, I've learnt how to do various things with it. I have learnt that on the back of the box, there are three inputs. One's from the uh, telephone line, one's from something else, and one's the mains lead. And then there's a little push button on it, which turns it on and off. And so I'm sitting there thinking, why has this thing not come back to life again? And I'm staring at it, and there's no lights on it at all. And, and I thought, oh, please, please go. I don't want to have to go and get a new box for it, because that means pulling stuff out from the wall, finding the... Oh, dear, it's just too much hassle. So I can't be doing with things like that. And I was, I was thinking, I don't really want a Tuesday where things start off bad, because at the moment it's all going very, very well. Very, very well. Did I mention I've got a book out? I'll mention that a bit later for you, just in case you're a new listener to the programme. And so I've got this situation. I thought, wait a minute. I wonder if I inadvertently push the off button on the back of the box. So I lift the box up, push the button, and it sort of comes back to life. You know, the lights start coming on bit by bit by bit by bit. And I'm looking at it. And you know you do all those usual tricks, like watching people playing fruit machines. They put the money in, they push the button, but they put the hand over the reels. What, what purpose that solves, I've got no idea. It's a, it's a computer. And so I sat there and the lights came on and then the red light came back on again. And I thought, oh, no. So that's obviously not solved it. What am I going to do now? So I seriously looked up to the heavens and I went, if you're, if you're busy, Lord... You couldn't do something for me today. When you, when you get a quick moment, have a look at the computer. Do you know, within one minute, the thing was back on again. So I'm now a total believer. Total. If anything goes wrong, you just ask for a bit of help and you kind of get it. So the computer came back on again. So I quickly went on, downloaded all the things I needed to in case it switched itself off again. And I thought, well, that's good. I can now get myself ready. Because you can't do anything, you know, while you're a bit on edge about things. And I'm getting ready listening to Nick and then Nick Abbott's talking, you know, to all these people. And then I had to go downstairs to get in the car. And then luckily the driver this morning is, a, is an LBC fan. So he had Nick on. So I'm listening to people discussing. And then some woman's arguing with Nick from Kilburn, I think. As if anybody really from Kilburn has got a right to do anything at all but exist. And she was going on about, oh, I'm brought up on a council estate. Like, who gives us stuff where you were brought up? My family were working. I'm sick to death of people waving this working class crap in your face. There was a comedian on this, one of these comedy shows. It had somebody on there. What the hell was he? Anyway, he's sort of blonde haired with all teeth. It looks like piano keys in his mouth. And he played the I'm working class and I went to proms in the park. It was the most lame act I've ever seen. The old working class drivel doesn't work anymore. Everybody's working class unless you're in the royal family or you're titled. You know, and he was banging on about something that's about 500 years out of date. And they had uh, Russ Kane. Is it Russ Kane? God, he's about as funny as some horrible illness you pick up when you go to a beach in foreign parts. Dreadful. Dreadful. Unfunny. Had to swear. Didn't really go down very well with the crowd. And then this blonde idiot comes on, who I've seen on a few panel shows. Perhaps he's sort of funny, if you like, sort of mockney. And he's very much mockney kind of thing. You know, I'm working class. And you think, yeah, go on, tell us how much you earned last year. Working class, my... Anyway, uh, 84850, steve at uk. But it's when people sort of say, and I went to university. Like, you know, you think that's really clever. What does that prove? Just proves that you can apply yourself. Doesn't mean you're more intelligent than anybody else. I love it when people sort of say to me, ah, you left school at 15. I went, yep, no qualifications. Earning more than you.
doing quite well, you know, managed to have a career, which, of course, in this day and age is, uh, is fairly lucky, unless you're going to be a cab driver and you can drive until you just literally drop behind the wheel. But uh, it is rare in this day and age to actually get a job that, A, you love doing, and, B, it pays you enough money. So when people sort of start talking about, oh, I got this education, okay, the worst thing for me is when they say, oh, I've got, they've got a degree in media. What in God's name is that? What's that mean? A degree in media. You know, and they have all these courses. And I've said before, nobody's ever asked me in any job I've ever been to, in any job that any friends of mine in the business have ever been to, nobody's ever said, what are your qualifications? The only qualification in this business you need is the ability to communicate. It makes no difference what I sound like. The fact is that I'm obviously very successful at it because I'm still working, still pulling in the audience, and nobody's ever questioned my accent. Nobody's ever questioned where I came from. Nobody's bothered particularly about, you know, what your family background is. Although in this kind of business as a speech radio presenter, you do tend to tell people a lot about exactly what your life is. You know, so that's that's all it is. But I remember years ago meeting people and I went out and started doing PAs. And people said, oh, I thought you'd have black hair. And you go, why do you think that? They said, because you sounded like you had black hair. It's like Petri Hoskin said the other day on her programme on Sunday on LBC. People thought she was black. She said people thought I was black when I first started. Which I have to be honest, having known Petri for a number of years, black would not be the word that would spring to mind. But uh, people, people build up an image. That's why when people came on and said, oh, I never, I never judge people by their accents. It was a load of old cobblers. Of course you judge people by their accents. You listen to somebody. When you listen to Brian Sewell on the radio, Brian Sewell, you know, and, and you just, you judge somebody by that. You judge by what sort of education they've had. Somebody came on and he, he didn't think that Boris Johnson sounded posh. I mean, really? What a deluded person. I've never heard anything like it. Of course he sounds posh. Posh is the ability to have a conversation. You meet people and they can have a conversation. And we were saying the other day, I went to my friend Paul's barbecue and his friend, Graham from Cheney's in the market, who do the fruit and veg, uh, was there with his son, Paul, who's got five children. So polite. They're the sort of children who could hold a conversation with an adult. They don't just sort of lose interest. They're, they're genuinely interested in having conversations. And that's all it is nowadays. It's the ability to relate to other people. But waving this working class banner in front of everybody, nobody cares. Nobody cares where you came from. You know, that's why, you know, when we had Guy Ritchie making all these films about, you know, Essex gangsters, he's more middle to upper class than they'll ever be. You know, that's why it's so ridiculous. Nobody cares anymore. And when people start waving it around and then they go, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm a successful business person. You think, well, what do you do? They never actually tell you. You know, they go, well, I'd rather not discuss it. And you think, no, because you're probably living in some fantasy world infected by drugs and drink and hallucinogenic things as well. Uh, 84850, uk. Has your computer lost its fan? No, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect now. Absolutely. I did have a computer before. And you know what I did? It was, it was, an, it was a, a, an Apple and I had a candle right by the computer, because I thought, you know, accessing different sites in America and stuff like that. And I suddenly realised that the fans on the Apple, one pulls in and one pushes out. And what this one did, it was pulling in the smoke from the candle, which I didn't realise until the screen started clouding over from the inside. And uh, I said to a friend of mine, I said, the screen's gone very dark. And he said, you haven't got a candle near it, have you? I said, yeah, right next to it. He said, it's pulling in the smoke. Anyway, so we, we abandoned that one and it was easier to go and buy another one. No, it's, it's absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. I'm very pleased. I've always uh, subscribed to Apple. I had a, what did I have before? I had something else before that. But very happy with the Apple. Very happy. And always make sure that I've got enough money 
sitting in an account, being a working class boy and being a little bit canny, you know. Uh, I like to make sure I've got enough money there just in case it all blows up and then I can go and buy a new one without even thinking about it. And uh, and that's the that's the advantage of working at this time of the morning, which, of course, is the time that everybody's getting up. That's why on every single radio station, the length and breadth of the land, never used to do it until about four years ago, and they then started calling it early breakfast, because that's exactly what it is. It's the early part of the day for the breakfast, before the breakfast team come along. So you get the overnight programme, then you get early breakfast. And it says it on every one of our radio stations in this building. Quarter past four. Nick Ferrari and the team. Seven this morning, Sir Michael Wilshaw, the head of Ofsted, joins Nick to take your questions about education. What's bothering you? You can get in touch. And the family of 12 from Bradford has gone missing whilst in Turkey. Have they gone to Syria? If so, this comes the day after we heard that Britain's youngest suicide bomber also came from Yorkshire. Why is Yorkshire under assault? What's the matter with Yorkshire? Yorkshire tea, nice people, nice countryside. They obviously hate it. Why did they bother coming in the first place? Nick Ferrari at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. I think actually in Yorkshire, even the ice cream woman pictured in the paper today wears the full burqa serving ice creams. I mean, if it's so ghastly... Why do, why do people want to live here? Because they want to take the benefits. That's why they come here for the benefits. They don't come here for anything else. They don't contribute to the country. So now you've got three mums and nine kids. Have they gone to Syria? Well, it turns out that they probably joined their IS fighter brother. I mean, you can't help feel the other day, the more I listen to the parents of that 17-year-old suicide murdering so-and-so, uh, the more barking mad I thought everybody was. Everybody's gone completely around the twist on this thing. I don't think anybody understands what's going on. Uh, even his school friends were saying he wasn't radicalised on the internet. They think he knew somebody in Yorkshire. Well, the parents didn't have the faintest idea. They were sort of blaming everybody except themselves. About time these people started looking more after their children and finding out. It comes as a big surprise to them, doesn't it? Oh, that's our son. Oh, he's just gone away, is he? What was he doing? Oh, he's just uh, blown himself up. Oh, right. Did he tell you he was going? No. Obviously hates you to pieces, doesn't he, really? Uh, quite clearly. Also, um, David Hay, the boxer, was stopped from taking a flight by a mouse. The plane was ready to take off in Dubai when the rodent appeared and the cabin crew... What in God's name is a... Ma- Do you know, are these mice in Dubai? It's so hot out there. I'm not sure that they, they, they can actually survive in the heat. But anyway, it delayed the flight, the, the flight back. And the rest of it was, uh, as they say, people going, oh, my God, there's... A-. Because people get quite panicky over mice, don't they? I mean, I myself could be quite frightened by a little thing like that. I don't know why. Um, Rob Beckett is the unfunny bloke. He says, uh, I'd give the award to Jack Whitehall. Must be handy having an agent, Dad. Yes, I mean, I, I don't like Jack Whitehall. I'm probably out on a limb on that one. I just... Um, and yet I then watched him the other day doing something else and I sort of warmed to him a little bit. But up until then, I got a bit annoyed with him and his, his, his uh, head in the cloud, stuck up his rear end father who appeared on his chat show with him. And it just didn't kind of work for me. There wasn't enough humour there. But that's Rob Beckett, is it? That's the unfunny bloke. Right. All teeth and everything else and playing the working class card. How dated. How dated. Talking of dated, there's a couple of stories in the papers today that are guaranteed to make me quite angry this morning. And I always think that's quite good. I never trust Becky Minnock. The moment she disappeared off with her son, I thought, you've got issues. Uh, the, the judge has slammed her, the mother of all publicity stunts. I mean, she looks as though she's got issues. You know when people say you don't, you don't sum somebody up when you look at them? I do. Absolutely. Of course you do. That's why you form friendships, isn't it? I wouldn't want to form a friendship with this woman. I don't like her. I could tell by looking at her, I don't like her. And luckily, I'm a really good judge of character. I have to be. 
I'm in the business of dealing with people. So when I look at somebody like this and then she sold her little sort of sob story to one of the papers, oh, you know, I can't wait to have him back and all this kind of thing. That's why they took him away in the first place. She's quite clearly got some issues, as they call it in the paper. Uh, the judges say, you know, you're, uh, you're irresponsible, utterly irresponsible. He said it was a 17-day publicity stunt. And you look at her and you think, that's why your child was taken away. There's something not quite right about you. Not quite right about you. Uh, what else? Oh, God, I tell you, there's one thing that annoys me. I do like the royal family. As you know, I'm a, I'm a staunch royalist. I love the royal family. I'm a really big fan of royal family. Not all of them. We don't like Prince Andrew, but I think that's sort of universal. Nobody likes Prince Andrew or the ex-wife or the ghastly children. Um, Prince William and uh, all the rest of them, they all have to dress up in this Knights of the Garter stuff. It's a bit like doing pantomime, and they wander down. The Queen bestows this on people, so everybody in the royal family's got it, so Prince Edward has to do himself up looking like a pantomime dame. Prince Charles is looking a bit old to be wearing this kind of garb now, and Prince William, and a few other... It just looks a bit poncy. It really does. I mean, it's just... It's just a bit naff. Bit naff, I'm afraid. And you see them... They never look happy doing it. They just look like... oh. God, why have we got to put this stuff on? Because your grandmother says you've got to put it on. So they do. So they do. Uh, they go out there and they wear it and we go, oh, that's exciting, isn't it? Ben uh, Cohen is going to write a book on the love triangle. Somebody says one thing's for certain. It won't be your typical sports autobiography. No, it'll be remaindered in Poundland within a very short space. Who cares? Ben Thicko Cohen marries woman, has child, ditches for... For a woman who's been around the block a few times called Christina Rianoff, who seems to pick up men and discard them like they're cakes at a tea party. Anyway, he's vowed to address all the claims surrounding his personal life. Who gives us stuff? Ben, we don't care, love. OK, I'll tell you this now. I'm not interested. OK, don't care. The only people who are interested are the newspapers and they make people think that they care. But like we, I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less who you sleep with, who you go out with. I'm not interested. Really. I know it seems really harsh that you're the most boring person I've ever seen in the newspapers, but I couldn't care less. You know, he says, I've, I've got a ghostwriter. It should be out in September. Yeah, well, let's face it. What are we up to now? June, July, August, September. Three months. Obviously a very shallow existence you've had, hasn't it, really, if they managed to do it in that space of time. But I think they can knock out a Katie Price autobiography in about uh, an hour. Doesn't really take much. Ugly bird who's had too much Botox, marries new bloke, has child, gets rid of bloke. You know, that's the latest autobiography. And, of course, we're all looking forward, well, I am especially, to Katie Price's day in court with Peter Andre. Can't wait to see this one. <laughs> this one will have me gripped, I can just tell. I, 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 I do thrive on other people's misery. I know it sounds quite harsh in this day and age, but the more miserable people are, the happier I become. Because without misery, you wouldn't have a radio programme. I mean, what is the point of having nice stories in the papers? They did bring out a paper some years ago, I remember, and it was the Good News paper. Well, it was boring. Who wants to read about good news? You know, man helps woman across zebra crossing. No, no, no. Woman helped over zebra crossing, run over by steamroller. That would be the headline that you'd be looking for. Who wants nice stories about people being nice to each other? That's dull. Dull, dull, dull. I want something that's sort of interesting. I want the story about the woman who's too fat to go to prison. She's 30 stone and um, she killed a jogger. And uh, and she, she's unemployed. Big surprise there, isn't it? Uh, her name is uh, Linda Jens. She's 49. She's, uh, she doesn't do any work. And um, anyway, she, she jumped a red light. And she caused the death of this man in Ashford in Kent by dangerous driving. Her barrister 
has pleaded with the judge not to jail the morbidly obese Jens. He says she is a person for whom a prison sentence would be extraordinarily difficult. Well, well, whoopee-doo! Lock the bag up! Lock her up now! What do you mean? You take somebody's life and he goes, she would find prison very difficult. Well, good, let's... Uh, perhaps she'll lose some weight. Perhaps she might actually become a useful member of society. I think it's unlikely, though. Looking at the state of her, she doesn't make the best of herself at the moment. But uh, anyway, the, the judge has warned her that a prison certain a prison term is almost certain. Thank God for that. I mean, what do you have to do in this country to go to prison? You could mow down an entire junior school standing at the bus stop, couldn't you? And they'd go, of course, troubled childhood, you know, troubled childhood. And so we'd probably send them on an holiday. In this case here, a 30-stone driver. She's unemployed and she's driving. Has she got insurance? 30 stone? How'd you get behind the wheel of a car like? What are you driving? What are you driving? Anyway, I mean, I'd jail her immediately. I'd have her in there. Admittedly, you know, prison clothes, a little bit difficult. I probably don't cater for people that size. But the good news is, Linda, that in America they do make coffins to fit people like you. There's a, a funeral director over there now, and they go up to a thousand... thousand pounds or whatever. Whatever it is, it's huge. It's like being buried in a piano. So the good news is that we will better bury you at some point unless you lose this weight. I mean, 30 stone is dangerous as you know, but the fact that you killed somebody because you because you jumped red lights, I think that's prison sentence. I couldn't care less whether you can cope with it or not, love. It's not supposed to be the teddy bear's bloody picnic, for goodness sake. Uh, we did like it, Steve, when Nick Abbott did an Australian accent. Yeah, all right, leave it alone. He does it all the time. He, he can do Australian accents. It's very funny, all right? We know that. Uh, I rate of Islington, says love the programme. Yes. Uh, have the benefits been stopped for those 12, and how could they afford to go to Mecca? I don't know. I don't know anything about them. All I know is that they've all disappeared and uh, they went on a pilgrimage and then they might have gone to Syria. As I say, Yorkshire must be really down in the doldrums at the moment. It must be the, the most awful place to live. Because if the ice cream woman's wearing a burqa, things have changed so badly in this country that, you know, people want to go and live in Syria. In Syria, where they kill left, right and centre. Still worried about these 15-year-old girls, aren't we? I don't want to see them back in this country. and stay over there and rot, as far as I'm concerned. Take their bloody parents with them. Anyway, Dan Osborne's going to marry his actress girlfriend. Oh, that's sweet, isn't it? That's lovely. I, of course, would be advising her not to marry him because I don't think he's got a cat in hell's chance of ever regaining anything. He's, he's the hugely um, intelligent age of 23. He's got two children. He doesn't appear to have a job at the moment. And he says, I'm the luckiest man in the world. You're a nasty little piece of work, pal. That's what you are. Dan got down on one knee to propose to Jacqueline, who is the staggeringly intelligent age of 22. So really, really bright. 22, up the duff, had a baby, kind of screwed a career. Well done you, love. That's brilliant. Apparently, a source said of the engagement, Dan has been planning this special moment for months. What, tattooed thug? marries, you know, average actress, 22. Tick, God in heaven. How to screw your life up at an early age. We will laugh, will we not, ladies and gentlemen? Apparently they're both over the moon. I wish they were. I'd pay to send them over the moon. And um, and then the woman in the paper today, the uh, the British woman who, who married a Maasai warrior. You know, I don't know what, another one of these barking mad people who goes abroad and they go, I love you. I really love you. I'm, I'm not attractive, but I'm going to marry a Maasai warrior. Anyway... Uh, she sort of, she said and sort of dumped him for his 18-year-old son. I don't really think I can comment on things like that. I mean, I, I think there are names for those sort of people. I mean, I found it bad enough, found it bad enough, when Brian Ferry took up with his eldest son's girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, what was going on there? I mean, that was a bit freaky. He's working class, you know, council estate. Mind you, Sting's wife, Trudy Styler, she's council estate. Uh, another one here. 
Uh, what's this here? Uh, a lot of people talk about the, the chocolate story, which seems to have appealed to most people. If you eat two chocolate bars, I don't know if it's a day or if it's uh, set over a period of time, that apparently is very good and it can stop maybe a stroke. Fantastic. I like fries chocolate cream, but I can't eat it, but I just like it. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 16th of June. So there they are, happily swimming in the water. And uh, this is at Oak Island in North Carolina. And uh, they were there. I'm not sure if they knew each other, but uh, I think they were at the start of a week's holiday when they heard people yelling, get out of the water. But, of course, you never really know what that means. So, you know, people say, get out of the water. You know, I'm happily frolicking around. And that's what people do. You know, when they go to the beach, they frolic around in the water. Unfortunately, here, it was like a scene from Jaws. Um, the girl is pictured in the paper today. She had an arm bitten off. Still conscious. Because apparently that can happen. They're trying to stem the blood and all the rest of it. Uh, she was 12. They were only in waist-deep water. Only up to your waist. Uh, but uh, this shark dragged them under the waves. Now, we've seen this before, and you know how clever they are because you see it on the Attenborough programme where he goes out there, and you've probably seen it countless times. They've, um, they've watched sharks, killer sharks, uh, trying to catch seals... And they're very successful. They're very successful. So every year, I mean, seals are dumb. You know, in the animal world, they get dumb, dumb, dumb. And then you get to a seal and they really are stupid. You know, they would be in the leavers class at school. They're not going to make it any further. And so every year their mummies have their baby seals. And the seals go, it's great to be alive. We like being alive. And they go down to the water's edge. And the killer, killer whales are out there. And they just, they look. And then they propel themselves up the beach. And you've seen the footage. You must have seen it. Of these killer whales who can throw themselves about 50 feet up the beach and then they just wiggle back down into the water again. They grab the seal and they drag it out to sea and the seal's going, what's going on? What's going on? Drag them out to sea. Then they found that some other killer whales were hiding in pools to grab seals who got too near the edge and they take them out to sea and they, and they play with them. What they're doing is they flip them backwards and forwards. They're trying to rip the skin off because they're not very good at doing things like that. So here we are in North Carolina and, you know, there was one attack and then there was another one. And so this, this poor girl carried out of the water. They said it was like Jaws. Um, the three main suspects are either a tiger shark, a great white or a bull shark. They don't know, do they? I mean, sharks have got no idea. They just see something in the water. They think it could be a seal. That's what they think. So they go for it. Um, the, uh, the coastline is rife with great white sharks. You'd think people would kind of know, wouldn't you? Can't they put netting out or, or some sort of chain thing to stop these uh, these attacks happening? Because, I mean, you're always going to remember that, aren't you? We've seen people before, they've gone out swimming, they've got on their surfboards, and of course to a killer whale or to a bull shark or a tiger shark, they look up, they see a shadow, they think it's a seal. It looks like a seal. It's got a, you know, a body and there's, you know, flippers either side of it. That's what they think it is. So they bite it to see what it is, first of all. And that's, that's, where, the, that's where the problems start. I mean, this, uh, this attack took place ahead of the July the 4th holiday weekend. But uh, people say get out of the water. I mean, I don't know whether they've got lifeguards who spot these things because they move in at such a speed. They really do. I mean, I, th I find them fascinating, absolutely fascinating, but terrifying. Nothing on earth, you know, me, swimming pool. Swimming pool every single time. I'm not going to risk bobbing around in the beautiful briny. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, more on, um, oh, Penny Lancaster. They're going to be talking about this with Nick Ferrari this morning. So she, uh, she was on Loose Women 
I don't know whether she's cracked or not, or whether she's just sort of in another world. But uh, she's not done herself any favours, because she says that cooking robs men of their masculinity. Well, I don't know where she's coming from on this one. I love the way this is uh, Little Penny, who towers over Little Rod Stewart, who's got more camp outfits than, uh, than a drag queen are doing pantomime at Christmas. She claims she was all for equal rights, but wanted hunter-gatherer macho men. And you think Rod Stewart's macho, do you, dear? The man who paints his toenails black. Seriously, you think that's macho, do you? My God, you're living in cloud cuckoo land. Small wonder people thought she was mad as a fruitcake. She says, putting aprons on and that, not belittles, but takes the masculinity off. I'd miss that. I know, I suppose to you, really, dear, it's like sort of a surgeon, isn't it? Putting on a gown, it makes them look a little bit poovy. You know, you, you probably want macho surgeons. You go, yeah, we can cut you open and replace heart. That's good for you. You know, so you, and you think cooking robs men of masculinity. Can't wait to see the next time you go out to a restaurant, love, and the chef walks out the kitchen and goes, who are you? Get out! Get out, you stupid woman. Honestly, they just, they come up with garbage. This is only the other week where we saw Rod Stewart, where it can, what can be described as another one of those very camp-looking outfits, you know, a sort of an embroidered sort of jacket and everything else. And you think that looks butch to you, Penny? Oh, blimey, love, honestly, where's your brain cell? Where is your brain cell? Almost being borrowed by somebody else. Certainly not the, uh, the wife dubbed Nagsbo. I wouldn't mind. Why is it all the people who nag are ugly as well? This one is really ugly, and she swears, and they've had police rounds, and they've got recordings of her swearing and everything else. I mean, to be honest with you, you look at the stupid husband, and you think, why have you not walked out on her? Why have you not walked out on this stupid woman? I mean, she is just ugly. She really is. She's your worst nightmare as a neighbour. But imagine living with the beast of Butt Lane. The recordings reveal the husband's suffering. Well, he's just a wimp, isn't he? He's, you don't want to provide people like this. What you have to do, you get her out there, the neighbours. OK, you bring around a lorry, fill it with pig swill. And the next time she walks out, you drench her. OK, end of story. End of story. Keeps her a bit quiet, doesn't it? Because every day, it's, uh, it's filth language coming from her. But she looks potty mouth. She's not my worst nightmare. She's just somebody who needs, you know, taking in hand, locking up and leaving her there. Let her, let her sort of learn by the errors of her ways. But she's a bit stupid. You know, you do get people like this. They, you can't help it. They're in the, uh, they're in sort of the, uh, in, in the papers. And they then become famous and then we put them on reality shows. We put them on reality shows and they go, ah, oh, that's great, isn't it? And uh, Ian says, uh, so Cougar Woman ditches Maasai Warrior for his son. Reminds me what Maasai do to lions. And Connie says, why is this family going to Syria? Aren't the people of Syria fleeing the country? Yeah, I think they're all coming here to Yorkshire. Perhaps it's sort of an exchange trip. Perhaps it's like, you know, we send them nine, they send us two. But I think you have to be very careful, because quite clearly there's some, some serious mental issues going on with these families. A family of 12 vanish on a pilgrimage. What do you mean, vanish on a pilgrimage? You know, have they gone to Syria? I don't care. Recruiter of the suicide teens in the police site... Anti-terrorism police have been hunting for the terror fixer. So nothing to do with the internet, which the family thought. But there again, the family of this suicide bomber at 17 didn't appear to know anything about him at all. He hated them. And that's why he didn't tell them anything at all. Uh, Shahid Malik, former Dewsbury MP, former. He says it's proof that no household is safe from evil. Well, it's people who want to be radicalised, isn't it? He actively sought out these people. You know, he wanted to go over there. He knew what he was doing. It wasn't like he was standing there going, I don't want to blow myself up. He went over there and blew himself up. You know, what can you say about it? What can you say about it? And uh, somebody says, um, uh, da, 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 da. a lot of people talk about the chocolate thing and says, uh, of course, eating 
a, th- a hundred grams of chocolate will cut the risk of heart attacks. If you die from diabetes, you can't get heart disease or heart attacks. Yeah, luckily, I mean, I don't, I'm not a chocolate person, actually. I'm quite lucky, really. Some people become, I had a friend of mine, well, I've still got a friend of mine, but really, really addicted to chocolate. I mean, could not go out and have dinner without then trying to find a sweet shop to have a piece of chocolate, whereas I'm not remotely bothered. I'm more savoury. I like, I like savoury food. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, why is that Obama woman coming here, says Donald? She's coming here uh, to, uh, fl- fl- to, uh, to tell us all about her charity. And that's it. They all come over, don't they, and do their, their charity thing. So Michelle Obama's coming here. Uh, I listened to some of Nick and had an apple and a Mars bar for breakfast. Do you know that oven chips are delicious deep fried? You, t- you preach it to the converted. I haven't fried chips for, well, I could be truthful with you and tell you about uh, 10 years. But I did, in the early days, used to fry oven chips. And frying oven chips is delicious because they've already got the fat in them and then you get kind of double bubble fat. And they are they go lovely and crispy. I mean, really crispy. Absolutely delightful. Absolutely delightful. Um, um, Pauline thinks that killer whales don't see people as seals. Of course they do. They've already explained that to you. They're, they're half blind, these things. And um, she says Penny Lancaster isn't stupid. She's married a very rich man, and that goes with it. Yeah, but the trouble is, she thinks he's butch. That's the funny thing. She thinks that a man who puts on an apron is less the less of a hunter-gatherer. I mean, she's really incredibly dumb. I didn't realise that, you know, you can sort of say these things and people go, what? That's what you think, is it? And then, as I say, you look at some of the very gay outfits that Rod Stewart's worn in his time. Little tight things. And he paints his toenails black, ladies and gentlemen. And she thinks that's obviously butch. Probably puts on women's clothing, I should imagine, at home as well. Most people seem to do it nowadays. Uh, Steve, the attack in the sea or the river, it was the sea. I've just explained it was the sea. He says, the bull shark is the only one that can live in brackish water. No, it's the sea. It's the sea. And uh, apparently it's, it's known for great white around there, but it could have been... They don't know what it was. They've got no idea at the moment. Not a clue. Uh, another one here, very quickly. Let's try and get some more of these in, which we can. A lot of people talk about the, uh, the cougar woman and, um, and sort of the fact that she's now taken up with the son of the man that she wanted to marry. Dionne Warwick on her double family tragedy. Uh, Whitney left me. She says, I don't dwell on death. God has a plan for us all. Do you think he does? Do you think God has a plan for us all? That's what it is for most of us. Um, there's a, a man here, a British teacher. He quit his job to go and teach English to orphans in uh, Laos. has been killed by mosquito bites. He was staying in Southeast Asia when he lost weight and his blood pressure fell before he went into shock. He'd be, he had typhus and dengue fever. And he got that purely from mosquitoes. There's a bit frightening, isn't it? There's a bit frightening. Don't like the sound of that one at all. Who's had a picture of? That's uh, Florence Welsh. She looks OK, doesn't she? And um, Rita Ora apparently could be going with Simon Cowell. He's offered her a million and a half pounds. That's an old story. We read that about a week ago. They're very slow in the 3am column. And also, apparently, Nick Grimshaw. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know why anybody thinks he could ever save any programme. As one of the critics said today when they were talking about TFI Friday, Nick Grimshaw could kill that programme stone dead. His last TV show did disastrous in the ratings. His radio programme's hemorrhaging like there's no tomorrow. Nobody likes a clever dick. Nobody likes a clever dick on the television. And the fact is, he has no... No charisma for people on television. He doesn't have that warmth at all because he hangs around with these people like Daisy Lowe and Kate Moss and all those kind of people. They're so far removed from normal life. (laughs) Believe you me. You know, why you'd want to warm to this man, I can't imagine. 
But uh, they're saying, oh, he, he could save TFI Friday. No, he can't. That's why Chris Evans does it. I mean, you put, put it to my guarantee, you put Nick Grimshaw on there, the audience would drop overnight. You wouldn't have to wait too long. They would just vanish because he doesn't have likability on television. I've seen the programme he's on and it was, God, it was blooming awful and it really was. Ian Highlands, what's he talking about? Oh, he talked about TFI. He also says as well, he says, because there used to be a feature called Fat Lookalikes. He said, then I realised it really was Liam Gallagher on stage singing with Roger Daltrey. And um, he said um, it would be an understatement to say that Lewis Hamilton discussing the intricacies of his Formula One contract negotiations in front of a bar of bevied up revellers who couldn't exactly give less of a toss was not exactly Chris Evans's finest hour. I've said before, Lewis, Lewis um, Hamilton is the most boring interview ever. I mean, seriously dull. So why would you ever assume that somebody who drives a racing car would be interesting? He just smiles and wears silly clothes. God, I bet, God, I bet Paul Penny Lancaster have a field day with his clothes. But um, it, it, was, it, it went very well. As for the future of TFI, he says, the fact is Nick Grimshaw really isn't the future of the show, or any Friday for that matter. Chris Evans is. And that's why Chris Evans is very successful, and Nick Grimshaw hemorrhages audience all over the place. It's because he's got nothing in common with his audience. Absolutely nothing at all in common with them. So why people think that? It's like, you know, when we've said yesterday on the programme that they use Patrick Kilty, ghastly. Really, really ghastly. Unfunny, not interesting, Nothing at all. Really, really boring. Uh, Freemasons wear aprons, says Martin from Sunny Gosport, and we're all butch. Well, <laughs> not put that one to a vote just yet. I've met Freemasons. I've been round the Freemasonry Hall in London, been round the Inner Temple, I've done everything. Done everything. Uh, in a moment, the women's safety campaigners who've blasted the justice system after thug footballer Danny Simpson avoided jail. Next time he appears anywhere, we'll be booing and throwing things, won't we, boys and girls? I do hope so. Quarter to five. Eve Allen on LBC. Mm. And peach this morning. Mm. Quite delicious. Quite delicious. I've decided, actually, I need to eat more fruit. People keep saying, eat more fruit, and I go, actually, I can't eat that much fruit. So yesterday I bought peaches. And I thought, I'll take some peaches into work today. And to be honest with you, it was quite nice. Not very nice to have to come back after the adverts. I'm still finishing the thing. Anyway, here's, here's the story that uh, guaranteed to get the papers going and the Sun, who have a campaign to bring back uh, refuges for people who've been the victim of abuse. And there's none more abusive than thug footballer Danny Simpson. Danny Simpson and his uh, ex-girlfriend, Steph Ward. I think it's probably short for Stephanie, but we call her Steph. OK. He's the ex-Man United defender, back in court the other day. When, uh, when police got to the house, uh, she was pinned to the floor and he was choking her. And then he said to her, he said, don't say anything. And uh, she was sobbing and cowering. He became aggressive. She later refused to help the prosecution. You know, kind of not helping the situation. Uh, unfortunately, she's another one of these girls who has a child with the uh, aforementioned thug. And uh, yesterday, his, uh, his lawyer says that he still maintained he was innocent, yeah, as the police found him throttling her. Yeah, looks innocent to me. But recognised his behaviour fell below the standard expected. I think he's a thug. I think it's as simple as that. But he escaped jail the other day. An insult to all victims. The women's safety campaigners have blasted the justice system. As I said before, what in God's name do you need to do to go to prison now? You're found to throttle your girlfriend. I mean, do you know, you know, that two women are killed by partners each week? Two women every week are killed by, you know, partners who throttle them and do dreadful things to them or stab them or whatever, and she refuses to help the prosecution. 
Oh, dear, honestly. There's dumb, dumb and dumber. You know, do yourself a favour, Steph. Do a favour for other people, but then I have, you know, perhaps you're one of those lonely people who's so desperate just for any sort of attention that you're prepared to put up with this thug. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You know, it's just, it's dreadful. Dreadful. He used to date this bloke, pop star Talisa. He's got to do 300 hours unpaid work and pay 900 quid costs. Steph, they say, was quite clearly terrified. He's a nasty little piece of work, aren't you, Danny Simpson? Thug. Horrible piece of work, honestly. I feel a bit sorry for George Michael. We don't really know what's going on with George Michael in his world at the moment, whichever world that is. But according to The Sun, I think it's a bit dramatic. Uh, Friends have told him, seek help or die. And he's attending a Swiss clinic where a course of treatment costs 72,000. Well, another paper has said this is absolute bunkum. He's not in any clinic at all. Uh, They say along, you know, for uh, drug and alcohol addictions. I thought he was just pictured out having a cup of coffee the other day. You know, he's just gone for a break on the continent. Um, and he's enjoying himself. He just... I don't think he has many close friends. I think he probably finds it quite difficult. When you consider he's had everything, and then these people just go into meltdown. We all know that he was smoking joints left, right and centre, and I think eventually that kind of throws your mind into some sort of confusion. I know that because I've heard loads of people on LBC, especially on the overnight phone, and say, yeah, I've been smoking joints for years, and they've got no idea how stupid they sound. And I suspect George Michael probably enjoys a joint now. He um, he was out at three in the morning when he crashed into Snappy Snaps and he's done all sorts of things. And then, um, I mean, he he missed um, Jerry Hall's, uh, Jerry Halliwell's wedding and he missed Elton John and David Furnish's wedding. Although that one's looking a bit ropey, isn't it, at the moment, as uh, David Furnish appears to have uh, been quite smitten with um, a sort of a stripper who was straight and now he's gay hate people who wander from side to side. It's very confusing, isn't it? Will Jeb be the third face on Mount Bushmore? I do hope not. I don't, I don't like any of these American electioneering things. I really don't. I find the whole thing just, just fake and, uh, and just a little bit naff. You know, if I see Hillary Clinton one more time, no, she is somebody I'd want to push off a boat. You know, it's just, it's just so false. It is so false. Uh, more on uh, Becky Minnock. Utterly irresponsible. Uh, The judge said huge amounts of time, effort and money were spent on the case and it's unfair for a party to attempt to use the press in an attempt to deny another person justice. Yes, as I say, I looked at the picture of Betty Minnick turning up in court the other day and frankly, you know, based on looks, and I can only base it on looks, I wouldn't trust her as far as that. Simple as that. And uh, so they've managed to, you know, get her back. Uh, Ethan is with his dad and uh, I suspect he's going to be an awful lot safer with his father than with anybody else. Uh, Prince William took a helicopter to travel 80 miles in a journey that would take 90 minutes by car. Duke of Cambridge flew from Highgrove to Windsor for an event to mark the Magna Carta. Uh, The Queen's flight, Sikorsky, later took him back from Berkshire to Dad Prince Charles's Gloucestershire home. I mean, uh, chartering a similar chopper for the same round trip would cost up to £8,000. Somebody says it does seem extravagant. Yeah, well, occasionally they do it, but I suppose he had to do the... He travelled by car to Runnymede. So he arrived in Highgrove. He'd been staying after a charity polo match. Then he did the 40-minute flight to Windsor, then travelled by car to Runnymede. And the Taxpayers' Alliance said no area of public spending can be immune from necessary savings. And that includes the Windsor's travel budgets. I mean, it's only so he could go and ponce himself up with these silly little outfits with the feathers. I mean, it just looks ridiculous. She obviously enjoys doing it, but it's the only thing out of all the things that they do that just looks stupid. It really does. Oh, it's good news, isn't it? Reeves and Mortimer are touring. My God, they've booked in some, uh, some shows here. Loads of shows. Starting in Glasgow, 
in November, then running all the way through to uh, Leicester, Oxford, London. They're doing the Apollo here. Nottingham, the Royal Concert Hall. 25 years of Reeves and Mortimer. They all do it. Have you noticed? All these people, you think that they've retired. And they haven't. They go, should, should we go touring again? Yeah, they've all done it. They've all done it. French and Saunders did it. I see no reason why just about everybody shouldn't do it, because it's obviously terribly popular. And people want to see people. I was watching the telly the other day and um, looking at all these old groups. And then I walk into, where did I go to the other day? Music shop. I can't what it's called. And, um, and all the albums out there, the greatest hits of, what do they have? Oh, it was everybody. It was all the old artists again. Seriously, there was so much old stuff. And they were still charging prices. When these albums originally came out, they would have been about two quid or three quid. Now they're charging £9.99. Everything's repackaged. You know, the greatest hits of The Who, the greatest hits of, you know, your dad's era. All this kind of stuff. It's all out there. People absolutely love it. They, they seem to wallow in nostalgia. But it was all these sort of old albums. I thought, God, I had them first time round, which made me feel a bit bad about it, actually, that I'd had them first time round, and here they were coming round second and third and fourth time. It's just repackaging, isn't it? All those greatest hits that you want to hear. That's why people like gold music stations, because you can sing along to it. I don't know any of the other stuff. I'm really terrible. I'm really terrible. I can listen to something on the radio. A few things I know but I'm not particularly brilliant at, at identifying some of the modern tunes which are doing the round. Um, uh, Jane says, I always thought Penny Lancaster was rather masculine-looking. Interesting. Yes, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that she would say on Loose Women that men who wear aprons aren't masculine. I mean, you're going to tell that to Gordon Ramsay, are you? You're going to tell that to all the chefs who work in all the kitchens? Because I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, and I'm sure that there must be, uh, women working in top restaurants in London as the main chef. Can you think of anybody? I can't think of anybody as the main chef. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, and it's, all, it's always men. So, and she goes out to restaurants. Perhaps she thinks they're a little bit, little bit sort of pansy-like or something. You know, it's, it's a very odd thing for her to say anyway. As I say, especially when you've seen some of the ludicrous outfits that poor Rod Stewart's had to turn up in. You know, as I say, painting your toenails black, dear. Hardly rock and roll. Just a little bit gay. Do you not think so? Uh, so here's Sarah Harding, the self-publicist. Uh, is, um, they say, such a hit that the soap bosses want her back. We haven't seen her, her efforts yet, because she's only in four episodes. And um, she's a love rival of Tracy Barlow. Now, Sarah is looking forward to getting back on the street after the launch of her solo EP. Uh, even though she was shocked at how hard soap stars work. Yeah, she's always been a bit lazy, haven't you, really? An EP coming out. Where will that go, dear? Perhaps we've melted. We can make it into a fruit bowl or something. <coughs> but she was... <coughs> Excuse me, hang on. Oh, it's a bit better. Yeah, it's fine. Um, she says, I'm playing Joni, and um, I play a woman scorned. Bit like your life, isn't it, really? I love the way she sort of thinks she's an actress. She's only had little tiny minor roles in anything. And she went to visit the set and said, I was there late last year for Good Morning Britain, and they could see straight away that I was a fan. But uh, anyway, so she's, uh, she's done that. And then she's going to appear on this thing, and that's where you're going to be seeing just how dreary she really is. Uh, the BBC bosses have warned Nick Grimshaw he's got to put his radio show first. <coughs> well, I think sometimes just doesn't bother turning up, does he, really? He's going to join the judging panel of the ITV talent show. Although I promise you, once you've seen him on it, you will be, he won't be popular. He's not popular on television. But that's why he's not done it. Other people have tried it. I've seen people before who've gone from radio to television because they think, oh, that's what we should do. And it doesn't work. 
No matter how good they are on the radio, it don't work on television for them. I can't think of anybody. The only person I could think of would be Chris Evans. He would be about the only person who can make the transition. That's the only... The, you know, none of the others, uh, they've died on their proverbial. They really have. And um, Phil says, if a man cooks and he wears an apron, he's not butch. But cooks without apron, he is butch. Best not tell a butcher if he's holding a meat cleaver in his hand. Yes, I agree. And Caroline says, I love swimming, but I won't swim in the sea as a child watching Jaws put me off. I think it actually put lots of people off. We found a female chef, Angela Hartnett. That's from the uh, River Cafe. But as I say, I'm talking about somewhere like, you know, top London hotels. Top London hotels. Any of them got a woman working there? I'm not talking about a privately run place. I'm talking about the top hotels in London. Because I don't think there are any women working there at all. I just, I just don't. I think there are women working there but not as main chef. Dar O'Brien has revealed he embarrassed himself while interviewing Professor Stephen Hawking when he cracked a joke and was met with an awkward silence. The comic and Mock the Week host spent time with the world-renowned scientist for a documentary which airs tonight. He said he's an ordinary dad, but a terrible flirt. He's the most unusual star this country has produced. I agree. Oh, I don't know, Nikki Graham's not far off that one in the Big Brother house, because her, her, her catchline is, Who is she? That's all she seems to say all the time. It's quite funny because when you look at these people in there, most of them can't string a sentence together, which is uh, which is a little bit embarrassing, a little bit embarrassing. And, uh, and most of the women look like they'd sleep with just about anybody. In other words, it's just another action-packed, dreary, dreary, go start drinking, you know, television programme that's uh, passed its sell-by date and has been for some years. They can't find anybody who's actually pleasant because you don't want to see pleasant on the television. You want to see ghastly people. And so here they are. But I think now we're kind of running out of steam, even with ghastly people. News at five is coming up on LBC. Must be really bad in Dudley, as I said earlier on. If they all want to go and live in Syria, well, let them go and live in Syria, but you're not coming back here. Two bars of chocolate a day cut the heart death risk. The uh, the fear for the health of reclusive George Michael. Ben, I'm Cohen to reveal all, as if anybody's interested. Uh, Damien Lewis set to be the next 007. What, Ginger Bond? I don't think so. I think that could be very likely. Is anybody going to take a ginger person as... Hello, I'm James Bond. You're ginger? You're ginger? Not going to work, is it? They'll have to dye his hair. Uh, no more handstands in the playground. Not because it shows your knickers off. You should love those blue serge knickers. But because apparently it's dangerous. You might fall on your head. We're such mamby-pambies, aren't we? It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. On FM. Online. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, the 16th of June. It's going to be a glorious day, you know. Absolutely glorious. Well, I hope so, anyway. I might even push the boat out and get the car wash later on today. Uh, the judge who's branded the runaway mum, Becky Minnock, utterly irresponsible. Her, uh, her ex... And the father of Ethan will have a say on the fate of her. It depends whether or not they want to give her any custody at all. Can she be trusted? That's the big question. Too fat for jail, the 30-stone killer's plea to judge. She killed somebody. She jumped red lights, killed a man, and uh, they've said, oh, no, it wouldn't really be because she wouldn't cope very well in prison. Kind of tough, darling. You should have thought of that when you jumped the red light. No more handstands in the playground. Uh, not because it's just sort of rude. It's because you might fall on your head. And we'll teach you how to speak... 
course, Ascot's around the corner, isn't it? That's nice. All the old chavs will be going to Primark, getting their new classy outfits. And they'll all be turning out there. My God, there will be such a lot of dogs' dinners turning up. I promise. Same every year. Same every year. Any race course, it seems to attract chavs. And they seem to turn up in their droves with their fake tans. The, he- the funniest thing is watching people walk down the street in heels nowadays. People go out and buy these shoes. Ladies, mainly. Well, I've just seen a friend of mine. He's got lifts in his trainers. I mean, how's that possible? Anyway, so the ladies go out and they buy these shoes. They see them and they go, oh, I'll wear those Christian Labouton shoes or whoever it happens to be. And uh, then all of a sudden they realise you can't actually walk further than about two paces. So you see them being helped down the street. I saw it on Saturday when I was in London, having a cup of coffee, sitting outside a coffee shop and uh, waiting for people and then sort of watching these girls attempting to walk down the street. It was absolutely hilarious. Uh, so, with the Ascot around the corner, if you are going to go out and buy some new shoes and they're going to make you look taller, you know, because obviously people want to look tall, do do practice walking. You know, I only mention that now because otherwise you're just going to look ridiculous. There's nothing that looks even chavier than walking along holding your shoes. That's even worse. Uh, teens. Well, that'll be some of you listening this morning. Shun Saturday jobs. When I was at school, the one thing that we were encouraged to do is get a Saturday job. And a Saturday job meant that you could earn a bit of your own money and your parents encouraged you to go and do it. I had various Saturday jobs. Some I cycled to, some I was able to walk to, um, and I liked all of them, except the one where I had to work on a... The man kept pigs, and all I was basically doing was shoveling from there to there. And at the end of it, I sort of... uh, I said, because we didn't have telephones in those days. See, nowadays, you pick up your mobile phone and go, Mum, come and take me home, please. But I didn't have that, so we'd prearranged that they would come and collect me at five o'clock or whatever it was. And uh, I I sort of left that. I didn't even get paid. Didn't even get paid. I I decided I didn't want to do that kind of job. And I got a job in a hotel, which was great, because I was cutting the grass, and it was on one of these grass mowers, which, you know, you like a little tractor that you drive up and down. So I liked that. That was very good. And uh, and got Saturday jobs all over the place and earned a bit of money. And that gives you something, doesn't it? So when I hear of people who don't work because they're too fat or they can't work because of this and that, I say absolute rubbish. Get out there and do a job, please. Please do a job. Uh, no more meals around the table with, with the family. We seem to be not doing that anymore, mainly because daddy is probably out working fairly late and so gets in. And by the time you get in, the kids are sort of just getting ready for bed if they're young enough. And then it's a case of, well, Daddy's up early in the morning because he's got to go back to work or Mummy's got to go out to work. And so people don't sit round the table. And so consequently, you never really get to play with the children apart from at the weekend or apart from when you go on holiday. And even then it's difficult to relax because there's so many things to think about. There's so many more pressures on people nowadays. And so the family, when I was younger, we did sit round the table and have dinner. They'd, you know, Mum would sort of say, well, Dad, Dad's going to be home at about five o'clock, so we'll eat about six and, you would, and then you would sit round the table. I can't remember what we talked about. We probably talk more about things nowadays than we would have done in, in those days. But that's why people don't. The kids come home from school. You know, they want a sandwich to keep them going or a roll or something like that. And then, you know, dad gets in and he'll have something probably with mum later. But uh, either way, families do not sit round the table. Uh, Tamara Eccleston. You know what we think about Tamara Eccleston. She's tweeted pictures of her child breastfeeding her. Uh, well, not breastfeeding her, she's breastfeeding the child. And you think to yourself, is there no end to what this woman will put up on the internet? The the attention, please, please look at me, is almost pitiful, I'm afraid. Almost pitiful. Uh, the apron, Steve, is worn to protect you from the food, and the food from you. Yes, I don't think Penny Lancaster understands that. Men in aprons aren't masculine, she says. I'd love somebody to then put down 
And I'm sure one of the papers will tomorrow. They should have thought of it today. Lots of pictures of Rod Stewart in some very, very camp outfits. And she thinks they're butch. I told you, when we saw him in the pub in Essex, he had his toenails painted black. All his, all his toes were all painted. Very worrying. Uh, she married him uh, in, I think, 2007. He's 70. She's about 44. They've got uh, two sons, Alistair and Aidan, nine and four. And um, Rod Stewart has eight children by five different women. So there you go. And he's 70 now. So if he lives for another sort of 10 years, that'll take him to 80. Aidan will only be 14. You know, I mean, it's kind of, it doesn't kind of work for me, does it really? Uh, Here's a picture. The great textile town of Dewsbury has undergone a terrifying transformation. A woman in a full face veil runs the ice cream van, which I don't have a problem with if that's what they want to do. But let's stop trying to pretend that this is under the guise of religion, because quite clearly it's got nothing at all to do with religion, has it at all? This is to do with people trying to inflict their thoughts on you, and I don't care. I couldn't care. You could worship a potato, as far as I'm concerned. If that's what makes you feel better about life, I don't care. But if somebody leaves a nice place, you know, where people have been nice to you, um, and wants to go and live in Syria, I don't think they should ever be allowed back in this country. I think we have to keep them out there. And they can stay there. You know, it's no good going out there going, oh, I don't like that, go back to my life on benefits. No, 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 no. Once once you've done that, the benefits have stopped immediately. I think all this sending money abroad malarkey has got to stop. That time Mr Cameron clamped down on it. Uh, Kevin, the milkman, says, I serve Christian Labouton's office, and I can assure everybody that no chav except Queen Chav Mrs Rooney could ever afford them. Yeah, but there's so many fakes, aren't there now? You go around the markets, they're full of fakes. I'm amazed there aren't more market inspectors. I watched somebody the other day at a market, uh, a well-known market, selling fake DVDs out of a case. Not one market inspector. They're quite clearly as bent as everybody else is at nowadays, aren't they? Oh, we really make an effort to clamp down on fakes. No, they don't. That of God's wallop, it really is. From being 13, Steve, um, I worked on a milk round, earning £10 a week, getting up at 4am. After that, you go to school. I did that till I was 17. 52 now, and I still get up at 4.30 every day. Best time of the day, and certainly instilled a work ethic in me. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. I think, I think, you know, when you get up at 4.30 in the morning, and I consider that quite late, seeing as I've already started work by that time, it does get you into the work ethic. It does make you think about it. You know, people always say, some people have said to me when I've left here, they said, are you going home to bed now? And I've said, no, no, I've been to bed. This is, this is my day. I couldn't, I couldn't go back to bed because I've been to bed and got up. And so I'll stay awake throughout the day because it's just normal as far as I'm concerned. And then I go to bed, I think last night was about half past seven. Uh, but I was tired yesterday. I bumped into Courtney as I was going down through Trafalgar Square. I bumped into Courtney, who works on the front door. And he sa- I said, I'm so tired. He said, I know, I heard you this morning. <laughs> not, not that I sounded tired. Uh, it's just that I've been complaining about being tired because I've done so many things over the weekend, which is unusual. I like to have a day where I don't do anything, where, you know, you have to recharge the batteries. You cannot do it unless you do that. You have to be very, very disciplined. Very, very disciplined. Um... Connie says, any advice from you and the listeners on how to stop cats using my flower bed as a free toilet? You can buy something, can't you? Is it catnip you put down? I think catnip stops cats coming and weeing in your garden. I think that's what it is. Is it catnip? Or... No. Oh, catnip's attractive. Oh, right. So what... Oh, that's right. What do you put on gardens, then, to stop cats there? Machine gun, I thought. Fairly popular. You know, a little bit dramatic, I know. But I can't think of what you put down in a garden to stop. We used to, years and years ago, we used to have next door's cat coming in and think it was a toilet. And once they start using it as a toilet, they think that's the toilet. 
I don't think it does it any harm, though, does it? Because it's surely manure just going back into the soil. So you should be grateful, actually, Connie. If, if your neighbours find out, they could be charging you for this. You have to pay for everything else nowadays. So I don't know. I really don't know. But there is lots of people are talking about cats because Tom Daly has just tweeted a picture of his cat and he's looking for a name for the cat, which, of course, everybody loves. What are your cats called? Do you have cat names? Will, are they, are they cat names or are they Sherlock and Nala? God, I wish I'd not asked. How embarrassing. Sh- I know, I did ask. I know, I'm a fool to myself. Sherlock and Nala. God, where does that come from? Is that sort of some family name or something? Oh, you got to name one each. I bet you did Sherlock. <laughs> and the wife did Nala. What does that mean? Does it mean something? Oh, from the Lion King. Oh, God, it's from the Lion King. God. <laughs> I wish I should. Yeah, mock her. Well, I can afford to. She's not here. Mocking, Stephen. Mocking. And why not? (laughs) Uh, There's a school in the paper today. Of course, there's a school in the paper every day, but this one's quite unusual. Because uh, they're set to charge parents £45 a year to drop off the kids in a bid to improve safety and reduce parking disputes with nearby residents. (laughs) This is Stoke-on-Trent. The trouble is, I always think if you buy a house near a school, it's your own fault. You know, and they do. I think cars should be banned anyway. Make them walk. In a no small wonder they arrive at school absolutely exhausted. They've only got out of bed, put some clothes on, sat in the car, gone to sleep while mum drives them to school. Make them get the bus. Make them get the bus, honestly. What a mamby-pamby group of kids. Oh, it's very dangerous in terms of walk. No, it's not. Absolutely not. You can count on sort of one hand over the last ten years. Things that have gone wrong for uh, for children as they walk to school. So So definitely... Definitely make them get the bus. Wakes them up as well at the same time, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, I love the, the story of the love cheat. Um, he's, he's a bit simple, and he's a cheating boyfriend, so he sent a lookalike to go and take a paternity test to try and dodge responsibility for a child conceived during an affair. Thomas Kenny is the thick bloke in question. He attempted to dupe the government officials into believing he was not the father of his lover's child after the woman refused his pleas to have an abortion. He was caught out when his two young children by his long-term girlfriend were both DNA tested. The results proved that Kenny was also the father of the other woman's baby. He's a fitness instructor. What a buffoon. What a buffoon. He's up in uh, Birmingham, a fitness instructor, honestly. But um, he, uh, he's, he's been caught out... Said to be a loving father, quite clearly. A love cheat, ladies and gentlemen. These people, I said, they think they're so clever, don't they? And yet, really, when it comes down to it, they're so dumb. And here he is, the dumb person of the day. Apparently, you all get in a stew about too much milk in your morning brew. There's this thing running on the television at the moment, and it's these, this family. I've told you about them before. It's the, it's the tape loop on BBC Two. Or I'll tell you about it in a minute, actually. But the, this, this girl says to her brother... This is the colour of, I want my, my coffee, the colour of my hand, coffee coloured. And we've all got different things. I don't want it to look like you could stand a spoon up in it. I'm looking for something that's just, just quite a nice colour, but I have a feeling I've missed the point this morning. Quarter past five. Nick Ferrari and the team at seven this morning. Sir Michael Wilshaw, the head of Ofsted, joins Nick to take your questions about education. And a family of 12 from Bradford's gone missing whilst in Turkey. Have they gone to Syria? If so... 
This comes the day after we heard that Britain's youngest suicide bomber also came from Yorkshire. Why is Yorkshire under assault from radical fundamentalists? Nick and the team with you from uh, seven today, looking at the papers. Vincent Moss, political editor of the Sunday Mirror, will be in the studio. So we get in a bit of a stew in the morning. So one thing that you all need when you wake up, I know, is that cup of tea or cup of coffee. I tend to go for coffee, but it's got to be the right colour. And I'm not particularly good at gauging the colour. I use a coffee bag, which sounds a bit bizarre, but it's a lion's lion's coffee bag. And you just put it in there. It's a bit like a giant tea bag. And it makes coffee. And this is sort of the colour of, I don't know, butterscotch, I suppose. If it doesn't, shame it doesn't taste of butterscotch. But, uh, you know, I'd hate people who do this. And certain teas are a bit strong. Yorkshire tea, as we were talking about Yorkshire a while ago, that's extremely strong. And a little bit too... I've had a, a cup of Yorkshire tea before. And frankly, it's the one that always leads the, uh, leaves the ring around the inside of the cup if you're using a white cup. So I tend to prefer, I'm afraid, girly tea. I'm, I'm one of these people who's fallen into the trap of Earl Grey, Lady Grey, breakfast tea. Most of those Twinings things I quite like. And I've tried everybody else's Earl Grey and they don't come close. You know, I'm very much, very much led by brand nowadays. Well, I say nowadays, I've always been led by brand. I've always sort of bought into particular things without realising it. Over the years, the, the, the Apple thing has kind of built up now. So now, I know there are other phones out there, but I'm quite happy with, with my Apple phone. And I know there's another one coming out. I think we're on to the iPhone 7. God knows how much bigger that's going to be, or even thinner. Can it be thinner? I suppose it could be, actually. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I always look forward to these sort of things. And at home, you know, we know what a Dyson is, even though they're the most ridiculously expensive vacuum cleaners you've ever seen in your entire life. But we buy into that, the same as you buy into Heinz tomato soup. You know, I buy into certain things and I, and people say, oh, you should try this. It's better. And I go, I don't want to try that. I like using this. You know, there are other supermarkets, but I happen to like Marks and Spencer. I go to Waitrose, but it's only to buy the things that you don't think you can buy anywhere else. You know, for my food, it would be Marks and Spencer's or I go to Costco. Places. I'm very much creature of habit. And I think that's what we do nowadays. Interestingly, Sam has come up with a whole load of people, when I was talking about radio presenters earlier, who, who don't really make the transition to television. Uh, Noel Edmonds, yes, 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 I would, have to, I would have to agree there. Mike Smith, to a certain extent, uh, still can't believe that he's, uh, he's died. Seriously, I mean, that just, really, when I read that out on the news, that kind of knocked me sideways. Terry Wogan, yes, he made it. It was a little bit, now when you watch it, him doing his, his show on the tape, it doesn't quite work for me. Nicky Campbell. I don't think he's great on television. He was good at the game show stuff, and then they all have to do their serious side, don't they? Mike Reed, oh, Lord. Uh, David Jacobs, to a certain extent, and Pete Murray as well. And uh, I remember, like Steve Wright and others, failed miserably. And I agree, says Sam, that radio is a personal one-to-one medium, whereas TV isn't. Also, most DJs have the face for radio. I know, that's what they say about people, but it doesn't... But why, why would it matter? I don't think it matters what you look like if you're a radio presenter. I mean, God knows there's some ugly comedians out there. I could happily name them on this programme this morning. But uh, I don't think looks come into it, really, unless you're, unless you're a woman. You know, and if you're reading the news, you're expecting somebody to be presentable. You know, to make it look as though you've at least made an effort. That's why when I watch London Live, I can't help feeling they've come out of a, a sort of a school for people who want to be television presenters. Not particularly brilliant or anything. And they don't even look as though they've been groomed or, you know, they've done, you know, anything with their makeup, their hair. I mean, most of them just seem to pile it on top of their head. Looks very odd. And the blokes don't seem to bother at all. It is. It's like hospital radio television. I described it as that the other week. And somebody wrote in and said, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Philip says, I'm listening today for a very sunny Oslo. How nice. How nice. Have I been to Oslo? I can't, yes, I've been to Norway. Been to Norway. Can't remember if I've been to Oslo. I never remember where I've been half the time. I'm sure I've been to loads and loads of places. Um, Donald's got two cats, Kitty and Dylan. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> do cats really take any notice? Do they know that you're using their name? I don't think they do. I think they just go, that's the person who's going to feed me. That's where I'm being fed. I'll just wait here patiently until the food arrives. And if it doesn't, they just go to sleep. And then they wake up because, I mean, I'm sure cats have got sort of one eye open half the time, I think. Um, Peter. Uh, Ramsey Protégé was Angela Hartnett, says uh, Mikkel. And she now got the Ramsey. Uh, she left the Ramsey stable in 2010 and uh, runs uh, Murano. So there you go. And they're in Queen Street. Wow. Uh, Sky Gingell. Yes, now Sky Gingell was down at the Petersham Nurseries. And, uh, but left. I think she got, a, she got a, a star there, didn't she, in 2011 or something. And then she left there. And uh, Florence Knight. I don't know her at all. There's loads of people that, that Mikkel's got on his, on his list. And, uh, and they're all marvellous. But, you know, predominantly it's a male world, isn't it? The world of, of cooking in the kitchen. It's male. Apparently, Bill, and he's not the only one to say it, garden centres sell pulped lion and tiger droppings. <laughs> Can't believe I'm saying this. The theory that household cats get a whiff and think there's a much l- larger moggy that lives there. Strangely enough, Jake said the same thing. Jake said exactly the same thing. He says, use dried lion poo to stop cats going to the toilet in the garden. And you can buy this in garden centres, can you? I've never heard of this before. I often wondered, actually, because London Zoo, well, at the moment, they don't have their lions there because they're doing the lion enclosure. And, uh, and tigers are enormous, and they do make a lot of... I often wonder what they did with it. So they could sell it, can they? And so the cats will go, oh, right, that's obviously a bigger cat lives here, and they, they won't bother doing it. I've never thought about that before. Things you learn on this programme. <laughs> Kevin started doing milk rounds uh, when I was 13, he said, the trouble is, I'm still doing them at the age of 50. I used to start at 5am then, start at 11 at night now, hitting the road about midnight, finishing about 11am. And people say, I'd love a part-time job like yours. I know people say to me, they go, oh, honestly, it's, it must be so difficult doing your job. All you have to work for is two and a half hours. I said, I'm not working for two and a half hours. You, you know, if you just walked in off the street and sat down, I do three hours every day, excuse me. And then sometimes... I don't get home till one o'clock in the afternoon if I've had to do an in-conversation. And other people go, oh, it's so easy, your job. You think, yeah, that's why you're not doing it. I love it when everybody else thinks they can do everybody else's job. And I've heard people over the years, lots of people, they go, oh, I'd like to be a radio presenter. And I go, yeah, great. And so people sort of make a demo tape and, you know, they get tried out on various places. And you sink or swim. And most of them sink, I'm afraid, because there's an art to doing it. I wish I knew what it was. I can't actually put my finger on it and say, that's what you have to be to be a radio presenter. I think you've just got to be a communicator and somebody who enjoys conversation. That's all it is. I mean, I can quite happily have a conversation with myself every day for about three hours. And it make, and I'm also getting answers as well. So I can have a conversation with myself and argue with myself at the same time. I never quite think about it. It just, it just emerges. For some strange reason. I don't know why. Uh, but we do have a free podcast every day for you on LBC. And if you go to the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk, there's an app on there. It works for uh, the Apple phone and Android phones as well. And then every day you get uh, a nice little free podcast, which is Steve Allen's little extra bit. And that means that we're rude about celebrities. We're rude about celebrities, we're rude about just about everybody, uh, especially if they annoy us. You know, this morning I've been annoyed about quite a number of stories in the papers. But that's always healthy. It's very healthy to get angry. And the reason it's healthy to get angry is because it pumps the blood around your body. And if the blood's being pumped around your body, that means you're alive and that means you're fired up. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, the good side of it. 
They've got an exhibition at Waterloo Station trying to flog this Jurassic Park film, which doesn't need flogging. It's taken about £330 million already, so it's a huge success. And uh, Will went to see it the other week. He went to see the Jurassic Park thing. Was it very frightening for you? Was it frightening? Very good, oh, good fun. Oh, what, laugh a minute in it? Is it something like that? You loved it. Mm. Is it scary or not scary? It's, uh, is it, yeah, only in the right kind of way. Oh, right, thrilling. And, and, the, and the graphics are good and they look like proper dinosaurs and everything else. Wow. And the, and the poster, which has got the kids staring there and this huge jaw is coming out to eat this dolphin or shark or whatever it is. Is that in an aquarium? Is that feature in the film? Right, so, so there is a big aquarium where they keep these huge creatures. Ki- oh, right, OK. And they feed them, do they, these things? Wow, and pterodactyls fly in. All the big names are in there. Brontosaurus, here we come. Come on. <laughs> Lay it on me, T-Rex. I love it. I can't wait to see it, actually. But is it a dark film? Is it, no, it's fairly fun. Oh, good. Kids in there as well? Kids will enjoy it? Car- oh, sorry. Carries a 12 rating, I'm assuming. Wait, what? I can't help it. I forgot to turn it down, actually. I don't have been doing this programme a week and I've forgotten already. I have to turn my phone off. I know, I know. I don't want to matter. The worst thing is, it's somebody who works here. Who's, who's just... No, it's not Charlie. Charlie's off to have children. It's Kevin Hughes. Kevin Hughes has just texted me. He says, go, he says, love Jurassic World. See it in IMAX if you can. So that's the cinema down off Waterloo Bridge, is it? Is that... Yeah, Kevin, the producer, said 84850 if you want to text. He's in a bad mood now. What more can I tell you? It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Apparently, uh, if you want a deterrent for cats, uh, they don't like citrus. Orange and lemon rind, says Jenny, and uh, they don't like peppercorns either. No. We're not sure about the citrus thing. Oh, that's right, they don't like citrus thing. Oh, right. Bit of lemon with water and a spray bottle. I thought, actually, that if, if you just get a... Sp- now, I've seen this done before. Where did I see it being done? They said if you want to train something to do something, every time the cat goes near the garden, spray it with water. Because cats don't like water. And eventually, they will remember that if you go near this part of the garden, you get sprayed with water. Might mean you're sitting out there, come rain or shine, but at least it, it will sort of stop them doing it. But citrus seems to work as well, doesn't it? So try citrus. Um, I do love the family. They've, uh, they're a big family. They've got 17 children. They get through every day 12 loads of washing and 18 pints of milk. That's every single day. Exhausted even thinking about it. Here they are. They also run their own business too. I think they've got a bakery, I'm pretty certain. And uh, this is Sue and Noel Radford. And they've got 17 children aged from 26 to just over a week. And they don't do one penny in benefits. Not one penny piece. This has got to be the biggest family I've ever seen. How lovely. It's like the Waltons plus. It's really amazing. She says breastfeeding's easier than faffing around with bottles. Um, They have a minibus which carries more than nine, but they're entitled to use the bus lanes. Breakfast is in two shifts. Each day we get through two boxes of cereal and 18 pints of milk. They're working. The washing machine never gets turned off. I get through 30 bottles of washing liquid every month and we use four toilet rolls a day. Unbelievable. And how many girls have we got? We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven girls and uh, ten boys. And they're all very happy. They look very happy and mum and dad look happy. I mean, that's what I call a great family. 
you know, they work very hard. Uh, they are... They are a little bit forgetful. Well, Noel is, anyway, Daddy, uh, remembering the children's birthday. So there's a large print poster in the living room with all the names around the outside so they can remember exactly. But um, they, they just love it. You know, they, they, he's, he's worked, strange enough, a milk round since the age of 12. And I still work part-time helping out with the paperwork in the, in the bakery. So they've got their own business and they're good and they don't take any benefits. Oh, dear, what a credit you know, if anybody should be given an award in the, in the Queen's list, it's a family like that, isn't it? I think they're amazing. Chris in Oxford says, once again, you're slagging off the racing audience. What do you mean, once again? It's full of chavs. You know what it is. Either you're stupid or you know what's going on down there. The crowd at Ascot are as diverse as the whole of Britain. Oh, they're so not. <laughs> they're so not, honestly. What cloud cuckoo land are you living in? He says, compared to the thugs that watch football, they're saints. Really? My God, you need to get out a bit more, actually. Mind you, you are in Oxford, aren't you? Council estate or, or your own private accommodation? I don't know. People were talking about uh, council estates earlier on. And uh, another one here. Um, I took my 12-year-old to see Jurassic World and she loved it. The effects are great and it has a few jumpy points. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one here. Uh, somebody said, a lot of people tell me about citrus for cats to uh, to act as a deterrent. I wonder why that would be. Citrus, how strange, actually. And um, one here says, yesterday I phoned my doctors to make an appointment. Now I'm in a lot of pain and I've got a chest infection. Three weeks I've got to wait. Three weeks. The once great NHS is going right down the pan. Three weeks, says Martin. You see, I don't, um, I, I can generally get to see a doctor quite quickly. And when I say quite quickly, if they can't squeeze me in that day, sometimes the, the girls in my surgery, well, it the girls, I call them the girls because they're girls to me, and, uh, and they'll say, well, listen, um, go, go and do some shopping. We'll give you a ring and we'll try and squeeze you in. Or failing that, they say, go and have a sit down and we'll see if we can fit you in. If I'm sort of, but if, if, I will only go in there if it's, if it's fairly serious, if it's something I'm worried about. So they're always good like that. But a three-week wait, you know, if you're in pain, if you've got a chest infection... You know, I don't, when you say chest infection, if you've got chest pain, then that's different. Then they will normally see you almost immediately because chest pain to them signifies heart problems. So they're being very careful. If it's, they, they must have analysed it and sort of gone down the route of working out, is it serious or is it not? But uh, I, I find visiting and going and saying, listen, is it possible to see a doctor today? I really need to see somebody. Nine out of ten times, they won't turn you away. They really won't. Uh, Laurie says, had the same problem with cats in my garden. Tried all the repellent you can buy without success. Somebody told me about orange and lemon peel. Works a treat. So obviously, there we are. You've learned something new today. Um, <laughs> Martin says, cat sleeping one up, one eye open. You're looking at the wrong end. Thank you. Which is good. And, uh, and somebody else says... Uh, cats' feces carry a single-celled parasite called Toxoplasma gondii or something. It can make you ill, cause lymph nodes to swell in armpits and the throat, can lead to flu-like symptoms and high temperatures. A lot of people are suffering at the moment with flu uh, symptoms. And uh, it's laying some people quite low at the moment. I don't know if it's contagious, but a friend of mine sort of went down with it the other week. He said he never felt so ill in his entire life. Really. Apparently some uh, coarse black peppers keep cats away. Nothing against them. But, uh, yeah, it really depends, actually. I've just seen the Sky Press show, Richard Desmond's Party, not one A-lister. Well, actually, I looked at this earlier on, because you know that Richard Desmond uh, owns the Express and the Daily Star, and he's brought a book out, his autobiography. I always thought the funny thing about Richard Desmond, he sort of got rid of the first wife and moved in another one, but nobody in the press. There's obviously some press code. And so we had a party, and, uh, and he invited people, like, uh, to go to this, this book launch. Th- th- this is the list. 
Vernon Kay and Toss Daly, Katie Price, Lizzie Cundy, <laughs> Vanessa Fels, Kate Garraway, well, God knows what she was doing, I shall have to have stern words with her later, and Anthea Turner, a rare outing for Anthea. And uh, he's got, ch- I didn't know he had uh, his children, Valentine, Angel and Robert. Robert as well. So there you go. So he's, he's, he's got a book out. And because he's got his own newspaper, he can talk about his own book in the newspaper, which is, I suppose, quite good. Uh, more on the feather in the cap, the Queen, 89. She seems happier than ever now. <laughs> she's drinking. She's, every time you see her, she's smiling. And, um, and they, they all went and do this, uh, this ghastly thing where they put on these garter robes, which must cost a small fortune. And they sort of parade up and down the hill. It's all a bit, all a bit strange and bizarre. And it's the only thing that I don't, I don't like about it. Uh, the places where mobile phones should be banned... I think trains, buses, everything. I sat on a bus going into Kingston yesterday to try and buy a pair of shoes, which was my big, my big failure yesterday, because I, kind of, I couldn't find anything. couldn't find anything. And you look at the price of some of these shoes, you think, I'm not spending that much on a pair of shoes. It's not that I'm mean, but I mean, you know, I can't justify 300 quid on a pair of shoes. That's just madness. Absolute madness. I might go 150 and that's about sort of top whack, I would think. I did see a pair of shoes I liked, but they just looked a bit too expensive. And then when I inquired about the price, they were 270 quid. And I went, thank you. And normally I wouldn't walk out, but I had to walk out in this particular case. But uh, all the way on the bus, there's a woman chatting away. And then she gets off the bus. Luckily, everybody was breathing a sigh of relief. And she carries on talking on the pavement. And it's always, there are always people from Romania or somewhere like that. It's, and you think, what are you talking about? What, you know, what is so important? You've got to be talking to someone. You can understand if somebody sort of phones you and goes, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? And you go, yeah, OK, speed laid, put the phone down. These people had conduct their entire life on the telephone. Absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, what else? A lot of people talking about the, um, um, about the citrus for cats. All seem to be enjoying that one. Citrus, good for you. I quite like the idea of the, of the lion poo as well, which apparently you can get in garden centres. Sasha says, all these people spraying lemon juice at cats. No, they haven't sprayed lemon juice, Sasha. Listen, you put lemon, you get the peel and you put it round the plants. You don't spray lemon juice. You can spray them with water. And there you go. Leah says, how can I get rid of foxes? I think you can call in somebody who will, who will exterminate them. You can exter- I think there, is a, there are licensed people who come round and exterminate foxes. Uh, depends whether you like them or whether you don't like them. I saw one the other day. I t- here's something. Look how, how brazen foxes are. I finished this programme, when was it? Yesterday. Yesterday? Day before. Day before, at... I was out of this building by about five past seven. I'm waiting for a bus just down by St Martin in the Fields, and around the corner, in broad daylight, a fox. Trotting along the pavement, in its mouth is a paper bag. Because I originally thought it had caught a pigeon or something like that. It's, sorry, for 20 years, just robbed a bank, you know. Come on, over fox. Got myxomatosis. Come on, give me the money. Give me the money. And it's trotting down the road. And people sitting at this uh, cafe down there were pointing, going, it's broad daylight, this fox. Admittedly, he looked like he had mange. Because his fur wasn't, it was all coming out in clumps. And that's generally mange. And you don't go anywhere foxes. You don't go anywhere near them if they've got mange. But it trotted down the road, clutching this bag in its teeth, which looked like there were cans of fizzy drink in it. Probably just held up a, a convenience store or something. <laughs> Give me your fizzy drinks. OK, have two. Thank you. And it trotted down the road and then sort of headed off in the direction of Charing Cross Station in broad daylight. They've got no shame. No shame at all, these. Apparently, Steve, Ascot Ladies' Day is a nightmare to the police. 
I agree, says Jeff, on your assumption of the breed of spectators. Oh, they're ghastly. Have you ever seen such a... Oh, crikey, it really is dreadful, dreadful. Uh, apparently, the man who invented cat's eyes... You know, do you not think that cat's eyes... What was clever about cat's eyes? Come on, what was clever about cat's eyes? Self-cleaning. They were self-cleaning. It's just a marble, but the rubber case that it's in, every time a car goes over it, which, of course, they do, it goes... Jup, jup, Pushes it down and it cleans the lens on it. So there you go. There's something you didn't know at all this morning. Well, you probably did, actually. He died years ago. But I think he made an absolute fortune out of inventing cat's eyes, which I quite like. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Some buffoon says, why do you have a gripe about people on benefits when there are no jobs? You see, that's how stupid some people are. That's, That's the sign of somebody really, really dim. That's somebody really, really dim. <laughs> I quite like people like that. We just don't want them voting or over here at all. Uh, a lot of people telling me about racing. Oh, it's become very chavvy. Oh, ghastly in places. Ghastly. Have you been to, what's the one they have in Liverpool? Aintree. Oh, my goodness me. That's got to be the worst ever. Where they get somebody... And then you get, of course, um, Colleen Rooney. <laughs> Off she goes with her funny friends. I tell you, I'm getting really annoyed with hearing a Liverpool accent on LBC. I'm really listening to it. Why do they all sound like Stan Boardman? You know what, they're whack, yeah, 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 just wanted to tell you. Just Oh, dear, there's something to matter with them. Whoever taught people to speak that badly? Why can't people speak normally like the rest of us, Dane Scythe? You know, because we're all able to sort of, you know, string two words together. But it's when you listen to that Geordie accent, that Liverpool, like, oh, blimey. You can't even understand what some of them are saying half the time. They should put subtitles up on the radio so you understand. I don't know what they're talking about. There's one bloke who phones in LBC, I've heard him a couple of times now, and he, and he, he is like that. You're right there, whack. I feel like he's doing a comedy routine. I feel like phoning up saying he doesn't really speak like that, does he? He can speak properly. It's these regional accents that are all over the place. <laughs> oh, dear. I think it's lovely, actually. I love this time of year. Quite nice. I, I will do the front pages of the papers after the news at, at six. Just so you know exactly what's going Oh, God, here we go. Ola Dreary Jordan. They're doing this little programme, seven days, which is six and a half days too long, with her and a boring husband. Apparently, they're planning to start a family. Thank God for that. Do it now, dear. Stay off the television. Keep your dreary husband with you as well. It's only on ITVB, so none of you will actually enjoy it. Um, who's the award-winning gardening expert diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis? This is uh, Chris Beardshaw. And... Um, He's refused to let the symptoms rule in. I don't even know what rheumatoid arthritis is, but it sounds very painful. Sounds very, very painful. And uh, here's, uh, here's Dr Dawn. We like Dr Dawn. We like Dr Dawn a lot. Actually, you're going to enjoy uh, this weekend's In Conversation, because it's, uh, it's a goodie this week. Uh, what are the odds of Zayn Malik returning to One Direction? Oh, dear. What has he had a little go on the outside and suddenly discovered that nobody's remotely bothered by him and he's just an ordinary little person? Well, they now said there's a spate of mystery internet postings. He sparked a whisper after his photo reappeared on the group's website. Then there's been a, a Twitter storm. Why would there be? He was never that interesting in the group in the first place. They don't miss him. They don't need him. A spokesman for One Direction didn't respond to requests for a comment. He apparently left the group because he couldn't handle the high profile that came with the band. This is the man who was going to the festival, wasn't he? And he um, he phoned up the organisers to say, could he have a special VIP area? Yeah, right, dear. I think when you're not in One Direction, you're what's commonly known as nobody. And it's kind of better to be somebody than nobody. Remember Bross years ago? Remember Bross? No, you probably don't remember Bross. But uh, they were around and they upset the photographers. So when they turned up at a, at, a, at a restaurant for dinner, the photographers turned their backs on them. 
And so the boys had no pictures taken. And they got so upset, they were going, sorry, guys, sorry, really didn't mean anything. And they had to eat humble pie. And I suspect that probably little Zayn Malik, uh, dreary though he is, is sort of missing a bit of the limelight. Missing a bit of it. So he's had his little tantrum. He's had his little five minutes outside in the real world. And, uh, and now might be going back. Frankly, who cares? Somebody walks out mid-tour. It's like inviting Jerry Halliwell back to the Spice Girls. You left them, darling. You left them. Haven't exactly done much with your life since then, have you really? Oh, you got married. Yeah, you got married. It's good. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. It's quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 16th of June, 10 to 6 in the morning. It's nice to have your uh, company this morning. It's LBC. And I'm Steve Allen with you until 6.30. So the Magna Carta the other day, I thought that was quite nice. You think it was, I thought that was quite good. I'm quite fascinated by that. And I did urge you the other day to go down uh, to the British Library and have a look at the stuff they've got in there. They've got, I mean, it's really good. It's good. It's your history. You should go see it. Go see it. Uh, the summer heatwave is greeting the Ascot Bash. So it's going to be a lot of badly dressed, underdressed people turning up, as indeed they always do for these things. I don't know why people don't look in the mirror before they go out. You look at some of them and you think your makeup's bad. I told you last week, for well, last year for Ascot, a bloke turned up at Waterloo Station. His whole face was covered in tattoos. Ugh, ghastly. You know, it's letting the wrong people in, I think. Sending out the wrong message to them. So uh, we, we should just try and, oh, wait a minute, just try and find out what the, uh, what the weather is for today. I think it's going to be nice. I don't think we're going to have uh, bad weather. They've said um, reasonably good today. There's no mention of any uh, any rain or anything like that. Neil says, uh, I've attached an old photo of Epping's old baker. Billy Prentice used to deliver bread on his bike to local houses in the middle of the night. Which I thought he might like. It's very happy birthday to our celebrity spotting Tracy today. So many happy returns of the day. And if you're celebrating, ladies and gentlemen, many happies, many happies. And um, another one here. Uh, this is, um, oh dear, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've lost where I'm going with this one. I've just clicked on the wrong thing completely. And, uh, Martin is in Godstone. Where is God? I don't even know where Godstone is, actually. Is Godstone near, I don't know where it is. Is it probably near Croydon or something like that? It is, it's near, near Croydon. Well, there you go, you see. You've kind of got your own, uh, your own cross to bear on that one i think it's funny how occasionally you sort of try and remember all these places are delivering beds in birmingham today Carlid and mick so there will be accents there <laughs> i quite like accents it's just the liverpool one as i say they all sound exactly the same to me everybody sounds exactly the same and you think you can't really be genuine can you, you can't be real uh, but i like the um the magna carta the queen looked very happy and um they dragged out prince william again and I think Prince Harry's got another photo opportunity. What's he doing today? He was doing something. And I remember thinking, they don't really have a job for him. And they keep going, Harry, keep him away from the drink. You know, let's find a, find a job to him, which will be a photo opportunity. But they only take a couple of hours. They really do. Uh, is he doing Michelle Obama? Probably something like that. I just, you'd think Michelle Obama would want to meet the Queen. You know, Prince Harry, not really that exciting, is it? Not really that exciting. Uh, there's a petition. She's what? She what? Who is she closer in Asia? What, Michelle Obama? Well, I've got no idea. I mean, why do you expect me to know that? I don't know anything about the woman. No idea. I think, yeah, but she's obviously closer to Harry's age. Because Are you talking about Harry's real age or mental age? You know, which one are we doing? Are we doing Las Vegas age or are we doing normal age? That's the problem. A petition calling for Kay Burley to be sacked for asking normal questions. It's sort of rapidly running out of steam. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Luckily, Ofcom 
have seen sense over this one. I said, don't be so silly. She was just asking normal questions. But because people get carried away on the internet, it then sort of builds up. Somebody says, oh, why don't you write onto this one? You know, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. She did an interview with Nick Varney, the chief of Merlin Entertainment, and quite clearly just asked normal questions. Quite asked, you know, normal questions. And um, uh, she says uh, they have a fantastic day. Uh, she pressed him, and they've gone to now potentially lose a limb. You won't tell us if they have or not. Why not, sir? Sir, I'm sure they're not interested in your sympathy at this stage. And then somebody who uh, who started the petition, again, there's always somebody, isn't there? Like, a little bit doolally, said um, Sky News should act professionally and issue an apology. Don't be so stupid. What, for doing a job? <coughs> and asking the bloke if she'd had her leg amputated? <laughs> Honestly, there's always one idiot somewhere, and there is today's idiot. As if Sky are going to go, um... Oh, we're definitely going to fire her. As if that's going to happen. That's what's so hilarious, these people. They're, they're, they're generally people who are just sort of not really in the real world. What do they think journalists are there for? It's like somebody... You know, they were, they put something down the other day, k then put a rage down there. What's that got to do with it? Got absolutely nothing. Uh, the rehab claims are a careless whisper. There's a link... If ever there was one, that says uh, George Michael. Oh, David Beckham's been a bit overshadowed by just about everybody. They've sent him out to, um, where have they sent him now? To Cambodia to visit a shelter. So little Dave's out there and the kids are sort of looking at his tattoos going, what's that? You know, David Beckham doesn't really have an answer for that, really. It's just called bad thing. Apparently, it turns out the wife, Vic, because she gets up everybody's nose, uh, she hates her, her tattoos. She said she wishes now she'd never had them done. Must be like, you know, on the odd occasion that her and Dave are together, she must look at his inkings and go, God, it just looks so awful. But anyway, uh, Dave is a goodwill ambassador for UNICEF. And so he's launched his own fund under the children's banner with the aim of, uh, the aim of keeping young people uh, out of danger. Oh, nice, isn't it? How's he going to manage that? How does that happen? Just having your own fund always sounds slightly odd to me. Uh, more on a the picture. There's a bigger picture, and it is a bigger picture, of uh, Linda Jens, who's the 30-stone motorist who killed, a, uh, who killed a jogger as she jumped red lights. And um, she's been told she might uh, not get through jail. Well, that's what she said. She might not get through. Well, kind of tough, isn't it, really? I'm sorry. I think if you kill somebody in this country by jumping red lights, as far as I'm concerned, you go to prison, you stay in prison, you do not pass go. You know, the fact that she's morbidly obese has got nothing to do with it. Perhaps she might actually get fit. Might serve some useful purpose. Uh, also, um, the Islamic State grooming youngsters like paedophiles. Well, perhaps they're sort of youngsters of a limited intelligence. I don't know. What could ever make Syria sound appealing? People trying to get out and they try and make it sound appealing. Not to anybody at all. There's a former boxer. This is Anthony Small, who tried to sell his championship belt and gloves as he plotted to travel to Syria and join IS. So there you go. Here's the lovely pictures of Runnymede. Do you know, I don't remember Runnymede being as big as this, unless they've changed the memorial down there. I've not been down there for some time, but uh, it looks fairly posh and fairly nice. And it's nice, it's got trees round it, and that's where they signed it. So there they all were. The other day, David Cameron said the human rights enshrined by the Charter had become distorted and devalued since. But, um... In the official programme, the Queen wrote, the story of the British monarchy is intertwined with that of Runnymede and Magna Carta. It's quite exciting, isn't it? See, I like things like that. I'm very excited. I like things. I don't like the uh, the picture of the poor girl on the beach who had her arm ripped off by a, by a shark. She, she apparently kept screaming, is this real? Is this real? Is this real? The answer is yes, it was. And uh, do you remember Rachel uh, Dolizal? She was a so-called civil rights activist who was uh, working 
for an organisation which was the Association for the Advancement of Coloured People's President in Spokane. Coloured people? Since when have they ever used the expression coloured people? Never. In 1962 they use it and they've still got it here in a place called Spokane. Coloured people? Good God, never, nobody calls themselves coloured. Now they go, excuse me, I'm black. Not coloured. Coloured is green, pink, red. Anyway, she's quit. After they've revealed she's a fraud, she's not black at all. She's white. And uh, she's always been white because she's got white parents. Her father, Lawrence, said that uh, we are her birth parents. Her mother revealed on Friday that the family's ancestry is Czech, Swedish and German, with a trace of Native American. We don't understand, they say, why she feels it's necessary to misinterpret her ethnicity. Because she's stupid. She's not black at all, she's white. She's apparently been a long-time figure in the human rights community and teaches African studies. God, one of these people who's just a bit slightly cracked. Uh, One Direction says we're older, but we uh, we are wiser. Well, you're certainly older, that's a fact. I mean, they age quite rapidly. They work, they get their money, and they're they're fairly happy about it. Oh, sorry, this is McBusted. It's not One Direction. This is McBusted seeking advice from Harry Styles. Older and wiser. I'm not sure about McBusted. Two sort of fairly naff groups joining up to go out there and sort of play their little songs. I mean, it's quite sweet. Tom Fletcher's now 29. He said, I've got my son and my wife at the hotel. I mean, it's so rock and roll, isn't it? I'm sorry, you're married. Oh, God, hardly worth bothering, is it really, nowadays? And um, and a picture of, oh, people talking about Rolf Harris and uh, taking his art privileges away, which is what I said yesterday. Why are people copying everything I'm saying? I said he's in prison. He said it's cushy. And he said, oh, it's, it's dead easy because I'm working in the art class. He said, and I'm sort of second in, in command in the art class. I thought, but the whole idea of prison is a deterrent. Take away from him something he likes doing. Take away his paints. Take away his easel. Take away his, his drawing book. Take away everything. Take away everything. The whole idea is he's in prison to suffer. And the more he suffers, the, uh, the better off I think we will all feel. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We think uh, Dave might be trying for a knighthood. Well, I don't know. I don't know whether or not he's actually going to be getting a knighthood. I think it's unlikely they missed him out this time round. Instead, they gave it to Simon Hughes. God knows how that works. Must be bad in Dudley. They all want to go to Syria. The huge shark being hunted as it uh, took an arm off uh, a girl and a leg off a boy as well. Uh, Damien Lewis could be the first ginger bond. Hello, and ginger bond. I don't know why I'm doing it with the Scottish accent. I see no reason why somebody ginger couldn't be. I mean, anybody can do it, can't they? You know, you could, couldn't really be bond, I think. You'd be more Miss Moneypenny, I suspect. <laughs> or who's that Who's that woman? Rosa Klebb. I see you watch Rosa Klebb. Is that the one who's got the knife in the shoe? <laughs> I like that, actually. No more handstands in the playground, because apparently it's a little bit, um, a little bit dangerous. You might fall on your head. And, uh, and with Ascot around the corner, the Chav's Guide to Who's Wearing What and Who Shouldn't Be There at All. It's LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's five minutes past six. The judge brands the away mum, Becky Minnock, utterly irresponsible. The royal family unite to put on their pantomime costumes for this ridiculous charade which they do down at Windsor Castle. Penny Lancaster says that men in aprons aren't masculine. 
She really needs to look in the mirror at her husband and some of the little outfits he wears. Uh, no more meals around the dinner table with the family. People just don't have the time. People fearing for the health of the reclusive George Michael. He's hit back. He's fine. Ben Cohen set to do an autobiography. It'll be as dreary as you think it is. He's going to explain the relationship that he's got with all these people. Like anybody cares. And two bars of chocolate a day will cut the heart death rate. All of that and more on LBC. And Professor Jonathan Shallot as well, who has taken time out to write me a missive. And he says, in my eyes, says Jonathan, you will always be someone and have access to the VIP area at any event I control. Well, that's... I don't know what to say, Jonathan. I don't know what to say. No, not for you. For Just for me. He's my friend, all right? You don't do VIP areas. Uh, Jerry Halliwell is a lovely girl. My company, Raw Global, represents Emma Bunton and Mel B, who arrives in the UK today from LA, where she lives. Normally, says Jonathan, I would be at Royal Ascot, but instead I'm presenting a special concert starring the lovely Catherine Jenkins, OBE, and special guest Calabro, who won Britain's Got Talent in 2014, currently number two in the Japan music charts. And please say hello, he says, to my mother-in-law. This is, this is, this is payback time. Carmel Clayton, the mother of my wonderful wife, Katrina. Talking of Katrina, she's currently in Los Angeles, staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel with her daughter. So, Carmel Clayton, hello. And that's from me, but courtesy of Jonathan as well. Anyway, nice to know you're there this morning. I bet you're doing a workout. I bet you're doing a workout. Uh, Steve, brilliant show this morning, says David. I'm rather worried. Oh, no, sorry, Miriam, I do beg your pardon. Uh, I'm rather worried about the amount of swans being shot with air rifles. Um, really? Well, there, is, there are certain people who eat swans. Actually, there were two things the other day which, which upset me in the paper. Firstly, down in Plymouth, people have got these wood burners and they've gone out to the newly planted trees and they've ripped them up so they can go and burn them. Well, anybody will tell you, new trees are absolutely useless to put on these burners because the wood's too green. Just get loads of smoke. Not very effective, but then obviously not the brightest pennies in the box. And then the other day, was it at Enfield Station? where they went in there and it was boarded up on the outside. Looked like the contractors were in, that it couldn't get on there. And eventually, when the first lot of commuters arrived, they were thinking, well, how do we get onto the station platform? In the end, somebody had the presence of mind to rip the thing down. It turned out some old um, tow rags, five of them, they think, uh, tried to take the cash machine out. And so they boarded it up from the outside. What sort of people would actually turn up, ladies and gentlemen, with boarding up equipment? That would be flatbed lorries, wouldn't it? You'd be, I mean, you wouldn't be taking that on the bus anytime soon. And you'd be taking it on a flatbed lorry. And then you try and drill the thing. Anyway, they didn't get a penny piece. But they've caught them all on CCTV. Hmm, I wonder where they'll be finding them. So, no, I don't know about the uh, about swans. and um, But I do know that there are certain people who eat swan. I personally couldn't eat swan, although in this country we did eat swan. If you look at all the pictures of the banquets at Hampton Court, you will always find that the centrepiece was swan. People ate it. I see no reason why you why you can't, but it just wouldn't quite appeal to me. I don't know why. It's funny, that, isn't it? When you sort of look at that, you think, would I ever eat that? You think, no, I wouldn't. Like like in, in, uh, in Peru, they eat guinea pig. Well, I couldn't eat guinea. I don't know why. It just doesn't look nice enough to eat. I'm a bit funny about that. I haven't even eaten ostrich. I have not even eaten ostrich. I know it's very popular. And goat meat at the moment is very... I couldn't eat that either. But then every time I buy something from a supermarket, I look at it thinking, is this what it says on the packet or is it something else? And I never, I never know. I, th- I think if you worry about it too much, you're going to drive yourself into an early grave. And I decided I don't want to uh, drive myself into an early grave. Um, Steve, my first cat was called Crumpet. Crumpet. <laughs> and um, 
Oh, right. So in, in the second, uh, the second part was George. So my dad took him to the vet to register him. They were both called George. You wouldn't tell me to have another cat after that. No, we had a dog years. We had cats. Well, cat. And it lived for quite a while. And then I can't remember what happened to it. I seemed to go away to school, came back, and it wasn't there anymore. And the dog, exactly the same. But then our, our dog went round the bend, I'm afraid. I'm not surprised living in our house. And uh, Steve's talking of the knighthoods, says Andy. It always amazes me that Baza the BG gets overlooked. Great musician, clean living lad, and has contributed millions to the treasury. Yes, I don't know. There are certain people. I think Beckham has been sort of waiting for this knighthood to come. And I think they've obviously seen him as an underpant model who does a bit of whiskey modelling on the side. And, you know, I mean, what's, what's the point? He lives partly in America and partly here. Uh, her shop's still doing well, is it? I was hoping some journalists would have picked up on that the other day and said, you know, we haven't done a, a feature on old Vicky's shop. Perhaps we need to stake somebody out there to see how many customers they actually get. You know, because it's not cheap in there. I don't know who she's appealing to, but if she thinks that £500 for a baby outfit is normal money, we're obviously dealing in something completely different from the, uh, from the rest of us. Uh, 84850, Lee thinks that the benefits should be stopped to the people who've gone to Syria. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree. I have no hesitation in that whatsoever. I think the, the local social security office, now they know who these people are, if they're on benefit, cut them immediately. Cut them immediately. Don't people just wandering in and out? You know, just sort of doing as they, uh, as they feel? No, definitely not. Front pages of the papers. Oh, in the, in the free podcast for today, we've got a great story about Nancy Delusional. There's an even better story about poor old dreary Lauren Goodyear. Poor old Lauren, honestly. She really doesn't know where she's going in life, if anywhere. And uh, they've been sort of having a, an argument with her and Mark and all the rest of it. And she's, uh, I've been offered money to talk about him. She can't leave it alone, can she? She's so dreary. She doesn't realise, unless she zips that ugly mouth of hers up, you know, we're never going to hear the end of it. R- ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It just goes on, doesn't it? It goes on to the point of boredom, ladies and gentlemen. Because she's got nothing else in her dreary little life at all. And um, um, the Black Cab Poet says, Steve, have you told Jonathan Shallot about a cab-driving poet who writes songs, does open mics and the odd gig? I don't think he's looking to expand his stable just at the moment, Michael. But if he does, I can put you in contact. It's as simple as that. Um, uh, Is it illegal to harm a swan, let alone eat one, as they belong to the Queen? It is. They are owned by the Queen. That's why they have swan upping, as they call it. And they do it where they go down there and they're all ringed. And uh, technically, the Queen owns swans. But there are certain communities uh, who go around killing swans because they eat them. I don't know. Honestly, this, this country must be the biggest sucker, mustn't we? We've got people arriving, you know, every blooming day from nowhere, bringing in strange cultures. And then they go around killing things. They thieve, you know, and, and then they claim benefits. And I'm thinking, no, nowhere else. Nowhere else would be doing that. Still, still smiling on the idea of a cat called Crumpet. I like the idea. <laughs> um, another one here very quickly. Let's try and get in as many of these as uh, we can. I tell you what, let's do the, let's do the front pages, shall we? And I have warned you that Ben Cohen's going to write an autobiography. Who, who that'll be sold to, I've got no... Who would be interested? Is anybody Remillion remotely interested in who... Oh, Michelle Obama's arrived. There he is. She's with her daughters and an entourage. Isn't it funny? They've obviously all been told to dress down. She's going to wear the green skirt. Uh, front page of the Metro, Freddie Starr whose rubbish claims that he groped a girl of 15, has admitted that if he saw a lovely bottom, I'll use that word, in the 70s, he might give it a slap. He said in court, um, he's suing somebody who's accused him of something, and he said, no, 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 it's not true. But then asked by a barrister if pinching bottoms was acceptable back in the day, he said, for God's sake, 
He says, you can't get off the subject of pinching bottoms. He said, I, I wouldn't pinch a girl's bottom, I would slap a girl's bottom. He says, I'm sorry about the 70s, because that's the way it was. It, the funny thing is, in, in a way, he's almost right. Things have changed over the years. You know, it was quite acceptable. People put their arm around somebody go, mm, love you, and give them a hug and everything else. Nowadays, they go, HR! So you're frightened to talk to anybody, aren't you, really? You don't want to sort of... You don't really want to sort of go out there with it. But in the 70s, it was different. In the 60s, it was different. People did smack people. You know, they just did things. It was different. Now, all right, we accept the fact it's moved on. But dear God in heaven, we used to have public executions. You can't, you know, keep going back to what things were because it was different times. Ricky Gervais, I'll tell you briefly, is back to campaign to stop people in China eating dogs. Uh, He said he'd been sickened by footage of the animals being skinned and boiled alive ahead of... uh, Next week is the Yulin Dog Meat Festival where they have dogs there. They hang them up. They boil them alive and they eat them because that's what they do. And I, you know, I can understand how how revolted he feels by it, but it's nothing new. This has been going on for years and years and years and years. They've had protest vigils, but some people want to eat it. Like some people in this country who come from African countries eat monkey. That's what they do. They eat monkey meat and you can find places in London that will sell it to you. It's supposed to be under the counter, but uh, some of them are quite blatant. They go, well, that's what we eat back home. And in China, some people eat dog. And just to really not make your day, they eat pussycats as well. They've got pussycat restaurants in China where they eat pussycats. They see them. It's just another, just another food source. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, somebody wrote in and said, Steve, in the 70s, I worked in the city and anything went male or female. Nobody complained. Now I'm concerned if I call somebody babe. Oh, no, could that be seen as offensive, <laughs> calling somebody babe? I call people poppet, treasure. We call them treasure because we don't know where they, were, they, where they were dug up. Kevin the Milkman says, if Michael the Black Cab poet might not get Jonathan Shallot as his agent, uh, then maybe a reformed 1970s punk group might be more up his street. Uh, and Stephen uh, from Patrick says, I always wanted to own a Ferrari. So that's what I called my cat, Ferrari. It's becoming a bit sad now, isn't it, really? And uh, Wendy says, uh, uh, being a veggie, I I avoid fates that have hog roasts. Um, Yes, I mean, I I quite like hog roasts. We had a barbecue the other day, and he was thinking of a hog roast, but to be honest with you, so much better not to have one and just have the the usual sort of things. But it is interesting how things and how times have changed. Well, you could put your arm around uh, somebody, you know, and sort of give them a cuddle or something like that. Now you're frightened to do it. Because it was different in the 70s. People did, you know, if, if, if every time somebody said something to you nowadays, you went to HR, you might as well live in there permanently. However, I did like the story, although it's a, it's a piece of salutary advice that appears in the paper today about a fashion designer whose dress was made famous by Nigella Lawson, was hit by her ex during a tug of war over a toaster. Katja Wildman turned up at her... £950,000 former home, occupied by her ex, Stephen Law, on December last year. She let herself into the house in Finchley and took the toaster, which she paid for. He grabbed it and they angrily tussled over it outside. She threw his house keys into the next-door neighbour's garden and he gave her a hard push to the ground. So, of course, it goes to court. It goes to court. And uh, the lawyer said, you can imagine the sight of two grown people tussling on the doorstep over a toaster. He admitted assault, was conditionally discharged for two years and ordered to pay £350 cost with £75 
to Ms Wildman. Honestly, so in other words, she still had the key to the house. You'd have thought, actually, first thing is, if your ex moves out, you get the locks changed. It's so simple nowadays. Just go and get the barrel changed, don't you? It's much, much easier that way. Um, what else we got in the papers today? On the, uh, on the front of the Daily Star today, it's Boyle Ascot. They say blazing sunshine marking the start of, start of Royal Ascot, which, as you now know, Jonathan Shallett, Professor, is not going to today because he's got the, uh, the concert with, with Calabro. And uh, Big Al says, be careful, Steve. Do not put your arm around James O'Brien. Oh, he's funny about that. He doesn't do touching. He really doesn't do touching. He's, he's almost to the point of don't, don't touch. He doesn't like that at all. Whereas I'm, I'm not the most tactile person. I really am not. I mean, I'm, I'm always the first one to sort of cringe away from it. But he's, he's really funny about that, the touching thing. You ask him today, he will tell you exactly the same. I promise you. Uh, Richard Hammond says he's turned into a greasy biker since Top Gear hit the skids. Uh, Nick Knowles has revealed he turned down the chance to host Top Gear. Uh, the Zayn Malik story, as I say, I mean, who, who cares, as they say. Uh, plus a picture of Nick Grimshaw looking, well, just about as gay as you can look in a white suit with a black shirt on with, um, with a film star called Sam Claflin. And apparently they were launching some sort of fashion thing. I don't think he's going to work on the X Factor. I know he, he might be doing it, but I, I don't think that the public are going to take to him. They've got nothing in common with him whatsoever. Nothing in common. Um, Simon Cowell faces uh, a Britain's Got Talent nightmare after Ofcom confirmed they are probing the show over the Jules and Matisse fake dog stunt. See, I didn't see it as that. But, yeah, perhaps I was wrong. To be honest with you, I just saw it as a as another sort of act that appeared on the show. I didn't really see it as, as anything particularly interesting. Uh, drug squad police smashed their way into a houseboat and seized a bag of icing sugar. Yes, apparently officers acting on a tip-off broke down the door of the barge and they tore it apart looking for drugs. They found a huge bag of white powder and it turns out to be icing sugar. And the uh, the guy who owns the boat... Richard Nicholson is demanding compensation from the police. We were moored, he said, in Colchester. They found a bag with decanted icing sugar. My girlfriend wanted to make a banoffee pie, so I bought some and put it in the kitchen cupboard. People would have been thinking the worst. The raid happened after neighbours complained about late-night parties. A police spokesman said the, uh, there were no illegal substances seized, and we have received a claim for a replacement door. Well, I think so too. If you knock the door down, you've got to pay for it. Got to pay for it. That's how it works. Uh, so for Ascot, am I going to put money on it? No, probably not. Lewis Hamilton looking even more ridiculous with another ridiculous outfit here. As I say, not only boring, but no sense of fashion. He was uh, looking at the spitting image of Thunderbirds. The most ridiculous sunglasses. I mean, has he looked in them? Has he gone mad or something? I begin to wonder whether he's completely lost all sense of proportion. Because uh, he left a, a Tom Ford fashion show in London. The trouble is, he's a racing driver. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Thank God he doesn't feature on the free podcast for today. Front pages, the sun, three mums, nine kids, one hell. And uh, they might be on the run to join the Islamic State in Syria. Good, let them stay there. Couldn't care less. Makes no difference to me. As long as I don't come back, that's fine. Uh, the Daily Mirror, jaws rips off arms of two teenagers and two chocolate bars a day may cut strokes. That'll please all you chocoholics out there. The Express have got the stars turning out. Well, the, to be honest, Richard... It was it was a little bit lame. It was a bit Z-list, wasn't it? You know, Katie Price and uh, and Toss Daly and her husband. I mean, really, we are scraping the barrel just a little bit. How chocolate can add years to your life. I bet everybody's really thrilled about that. All you chocolate lovers out there going, that's the best news we've heard in ages and ages. Uh, the Daily Mail. 
Uh, they've got indulgent chocolate cakes and puddings. And they've done it, you know, like a roulade kind of... Oh, it looks delicious. Whatever it is, I can't eat it. But I used to love a Swiss roll. Really love a Swiss roll. And then I watched Mary Berry try to demonstrate to people on the television how to roll the Swiss roll without it cracking. And that, that was quite difficult in itself. Uh, Ginger Bond, Damien Lewis, set to be the next 007. Could be. Makes no difference to these ginger, does it? I can't believe nobody be prejudiced over that, for goodness sake. People love ginger. People love ginger people. Couldn't eat a whole one myself, but, you know, I'm quite quite prepared to go for it. If, you know, if he sort of says he could be James Bond, I think he could be. He's certainly got the looks for it. They keep changing them, don't they? Uh, dentists falsely claiming to offer NHS care and breaking rules on charges, needlessly pulling teeth, forcing patients to have... You never find a poor dentist, do you? Never find a poor dentist. Uh, Daily Star... They're all offering free bets. Uh, William in this ridiculous outfit, which just makes him look even more nerdy than usual. This is the Night of the Garter outfits. And the sizzling temperatures, which means that you're going to get very, very hot if you're going racing. And, of course, the combination of that and alcohol, the chavs will be having an absolute field day. Sounds quite ghastly. Um, another one here. It says, I always refer, says Richard, to the HR department as the Gestapo. Yes, I've been to it before. Nothing like that. I just, I'm always amazed now that big, big companies have a, have a very active HR department. Uh, the Times on the front page, the family of the 12 women and children feared heading to join ISIS. Why should we fear them? Let them go there. Let them stay there. They quite clearly want to go there. Uh, the 800th anniversary of Magna Carta. And uh, they were all out in force, which was good. Queen joined by the US Attorney General and 750 American lawyers. Good Lord. Greece in a state of emergency. Uh, the judge who said the runaway mum manipulated the press. That's why she's not to be trusted. The activist who faked being black has quit, uh, considering she was only saying the other day, oh, I don't care what any of you think about me. Well, uh, she does now, because quite clearly the organisation she was sort of running has gone, you're not black. Uh, no, white girl, why are you pretending to be black? Uh, my business. Anyway, she's quit, so that's good news, isn't it? Very good news. Uh, chocolate lowers the heart disease, and the US Marines joining the British ships to counter the threat from Putin. Also, the new flu jab, which could prevent future pandemics, and that's good news. Uh, front page of the Independent, Pope warns of unprecedented damage from climate change. Good Lord, on, he's getting, his holiness is getting involved with all sorts of things now. And the Daily Telegraph, B- Greece... On the brink of the Euro exit, children taken to ISIL in Syria and um, ministers declare war on unruly classrooms. And so they should. That's it for this morning. Thank you so much indeed for your company. We do it again tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. You can set your radio by this station. Don't forget Nick Abbott sitting in for Darren Adam. And he'll be here until I think the end of the month at least. I think so. And you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like by downloading the LBC app. There'll be a free podcast up for you in around 15 minutes time. And then the remainder of the programme is a payable podcast. But you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. And from as little as £2 a month, you can download everything on LBC. The LBC podcast app is available for iPhones and now Android phones as well. Have a great day. Thank you for your uh, texts and your emails. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Steve Allen Show. At Steve Allen Show. At seven, it's Nick Ferrari, but next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.